This is Bars Loaded with Ben and Nick. A strength, powerlifting and performance podcast. Where we hope to share our opinions, help educate and inspire. Tell a few stories, build a community along the way and... Bars Loaded. I reckon it counts down and we're still not even ready. <laughs> we get a five seconds countdown, we've still got shit in our mouth when it hits one. <laughs> so we're both we're both in sports mode today. Yes. Caps backwards. Fuck yeah. That's how you know we're up to some serious business tonight. Mm. It's either gangster, like is it gangster? I don't know. I'm I'm pretty old. I'm out of touch. I don't know what the kids are saying these days, but all I know is I'm just like like I, I guarantee as well, throughout tonight I'll be wearing my cap like this, and then I'll eventually do like one of these ones, and then I'll probably go back to doing this. Yeah, it'll be all over I, the place. I'm yeah, I'm just a fucking hot mess. You're a fidgeter. Yeah. Did you ever get into fidget spinners? No. You never had one. No. Or didn't like them. I just honestly was like. Never really interested in them. Oh, dude, I was like, I was on them. I loved them. Like, I used to do two. Like, I, I quite, no. I quite often will have like things in my hands. Like, like, I have this fucking bit of wire. Mm, that's or like odd. Whatever the fuck it is that like held something together, and I, I've like almost always got something in my hand that I like obviously can't see at the moment, but like I'll be like fidgeting with it in my hands like this. <clears throat> but as far as like an actual like widget spinner, like. Yeah, never got one of those. Yeah, I liked them. I, My um, favorite thing was always like, you know those like the four colored pens? Yeah, and you click the colors down. Yeah, but like trying to push like all four down at once. I was yeah. like, oh, I can't get it. Try and jam yeah. like the fat things through the thin hole. Yeah. Also my favorite thing to do. Such a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I used to wear my hat backwards all the time when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like literally every day. I mean, I've been a hat wearer and collector, I guess connoisseur, you may say, for my entire life. And I used to wear my cap backwards every day. And we had a, we lived in the, the house that I grew up in. We lived in that house for 15 years growing up. And we had the same back fence neighbors the entire time. And the guy that, that lived in that house, he built the house himself. He was a builder. So you can imagine he was like, but he was a he was a really good builder. Like it was a beautiful house that they lived in, but he was a builder, so he was a bit rough around the edges. Didn't didn't pull any punches at all. And I remember going over there to swim in their pool one day, and I had my cap backwards, and he was like, "Cap backwards, hey mate." And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Is that so you can get closer to the dicks that you suck?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, "Guess how well, goes forward." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, dude, I was probably I was probably 15 at the time. And it just like I didn't even know what to say. I was so shocked. I went bright red and I was like, oh my god, uh I don't know what to say. Dude, I'm fucking 33, and if someone said that to me, I probably would be saying like I just I just like my hat backwards, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I have never forgot that ever. It's One imprinted thing, like, in my I brain. I still find really weird though. 
is when you like see like fully grown men that wear their hats oh. to the side like this. And that's like, not even comfortable. Like a fuckwit. And it's not even comfortable. No, and it's like just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Who did that? Was that Limp Biscuit that did that? I think Limp, I think, um, I think, I think Fred, Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit did that, I think. Yeah, but he also dressed up as a cowboy like last time he performed. Yeah, but he was pretty, he was pretty baller back in the day. He's not oh, so, he's not like so. The 90s when they came out with Rollin, it was like, oh. Fred Durst can do no wrong. Oh, he was such a cool, cool cunt. <laughs> he was, that, um, that album actually that had break stuff. <laughs> the amount of playtime that oh. album still gets for me is ridiculous. What were the other good songs on that album? Nookie. That was a Nookie good one. Is a classic. Let me yeah. confer with my uh, Spotify. Yeah, there was Nookie, Break Stuff. Um, that was such a good album. I didn't so much like the one after that. Yeah, so that was the album Significant Other that came out in 99. Yep, that's the one. So there was like Nookie, Break Stuff. I was quite a fan of In Together Now. That was Limp Bizkit mm. and Method Man. Yeah. I was like, fuck oh, yeah. Method Man was so good. Can we play a bit of that without getting like yeah. fucking... Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, if you can't fucking get around this, we can't be friends. <laughs> Put your hat sideways. Huh? Put your hat sideways. <laughs> yeah, see? It works. But yeah. Pete, if we were going to do it properly, I'd have to do like the fucking Wu-Tang shit too. <laughs> Method Man was... Method Man's underrated. Oh. I'm going like, to listen to that album tomorrow morning when I train. The funny thing is, oh, I got into Method Man through watching How High. Yeah, okay. That's a funny movie. Fuck, that's no good. <laughs> like, that is a movie that stands the test of time. I I actually didn't even know who Wu-Tang were, were for such a long time. Didn't know Method Man, didn't know Red Man, none of it. Didn't know anything about it. And then I was managing a gym in Fairfield, California, 24-hour fitness Fairfield. I wasn't actually managing that one. I was the membership manager there. And one of the service reps, so like the front desk people, mm -hmm. um, he was a super cool dude. His name's Hector. Yep. He was went through this massive weight loss um, transformation. He was like everyone's favorite guy. He was just like super charismatic um, Mexican fella. But he was also super artistic. And he... Come, I, he used to make um, like custom shoes. So you would buy like white Air Force Ones or like white Jordans or just like all white shoes. And he would go and paint them with custom murals and designs and like graffiti writing all over them. And they were so sick. And um, mm. he would do it on Timberlands as well. And then one day... He posted a photo on Facebook at the time of giving shoes to Method Man and Red Man that he did that he did up for them. 
custom. That's fucking sick. And then when I saw him at the gym, I was like, bro, who were those people that you did shoes for? Like, they looked like they were famous or something. They had like chains all over them and they were they're like, they had the swag, they had security guards. Yeah. They were obviously like super high, just in public, like they didn't even care. And he was like, oh, that's Method and Method Man and Red Man. I was like, I, I don't know who that is. That means nothing to me. Tell me more about them. Explain who they are. So he did, and then I was like, shit. But it turns out he's cousins with one of them. I oh, really? Re- yeah, I can't remember which one. Fuck, that's not a bad little in for someone to have to like get their, their art out in the world. Mm, but the shoes that he did, man, was so nice. I always wanted to get him to do me a pair, but then I just I never did, and I ended up moving to Seattle and lost contact. But I'm still friends with him on Facebook, so Should pretty cool. Up, man. Yeah, the shoes that he does are awesome. Like really cool. You've just joined. Speaking of shoes, you've just joined the Jordan Club today. I have. Tell us about that. I. You know what, Ben? I'm proud of you, but I Thank never ever a male figure <laughs> in my life say those words. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day that you donned a pair of Jordans. To be fair, I tried to buy a pair like 18 months ago. I won, so the exact, I'm not going to go into like the colors and shit because I'll post those when they come. Mm. But I won a a bid on eBay for a pair of these mm-hmm. for like 180 bucks. And I like, I've got a lot of fr- friends of mine that are like really into their shoes and like really into their Jordans. Yeah. And they're just like, dude, you got those for like 180 bucks. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I've done well, haven't I? And they're like, you have no idea how well you've done. Like, they go for like five hundred fifty dollars for a pair. Yep, that's what I soon I knew that as soon as I saw them. Well, they, this pair I picked up for three thirty, <laughs> so like I still done pretty fucking well. Like for me, like I still sit there, I'm like, that's like an ungodly amount of money to spend on a pair of like shoes that I'm not going to wear every day. Like my Vivos, I spend like. Things like two hundred and twenty bucks on a pair of those, but I literally wear those every day. Yeah, but it, so here's the thing: I do wear my Jordans every single day. Yeah, I have two pairs. I have a, a mid pair, like what you got. Oh, these are highs. Oh, they're highs. So I have the I have a pair of mids that I've competed in twice, and a low a pair of lows that I've competed in once. Yeah. The mids I've wore every day for about a year and a half, trained in them, competed in them, wore them to work, everything, wore them out everywhere. The lows I've worn literally every single day since May last year, every training session, two comps Mm. every day, and both of them are... The only thing that's wrong with them is that they're dirty because they have chalk and talc and stuff all over them because I don't clean them. Other than that, there's not a single thing wrong with them. So the fact that you're not going to wear yours every day, they'll probably just last you forever. Well, I mean, the reality is as well, like I could probably just like, if I I was really just doing it purely for the sake of being like, I'm just going to try and make money off sneakers. I could probably just sell them and make like 200 bucks off them. Yeah, but you don't want to be that guy. Nah, not yet anyway. Who wants to, who makes, wants to make money off sneakers? Like get a real job, man. Dude, I used to have this client and he was like an avid sneaker collector. Hmm. 
And when I say that, like, an avid sneaker collector, he's like, I sold a couple of, like, he goes, I sold a couple of pairs of shoes and it paid for him to go get married in the US. Damn. Okay. I take it back. Yeah. Like, it may have been more than, like, a couple of pairs, but, like, he's like, it was, like, a fucking fraction of what my collection is. But any time, like, like he, he was one of those guys that, like, knew everything there was to know about sneakers. Mm-hmm. Like, would spend a lot of money to buy the sneakers, hold on to them for, like, six to 12 months, and then, like, sell them again. But he literally had an entire room in his house full of sneakers. Damn. Yeah. My brother has a bunch of Jordans, but he's getting rid of them all at the moment. Hmm. Not exactly sure why. Midlife crisis. Dude, yeah. I'm so freaking hot in this room. Oh, me too. I like. <laughs> I was like, I really want to have the fan on again tonight. But last week, you're like, dude, it's so noisy. Nah, it's, I, I usually have the aircon on, mm. but it's super hot here today. And Em's in the lounge room studying. And she's like, I'm just going to put the aircon on out here for a little bit because you've had it on in there all day doing check-ins. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, no worries. I'll just sit here with a ring light blasting on my face with no aircon on. Nice. Beautiful. It's fantastic. So good. I like got out of the shower just before I made my two coffees and I'm already sweating. Yeah. It's like story of my life. It's fun, isn't it? Mm. Did you just go train? Uh, I trained earlier today. You just posted the videos late? Yeah. Mm, tricked me. I was like looking at your story. I'm like, is he going to be home in time? What's going on? Like, what is this motherfucker doing? Yeah, nah. I I went and trained at like 12, 12.30. Yeah, cool. Yeah. How did it go? It went all right. Like my neck and shoulders a bit gunky at the moment. Mm. What from? It's just like old man shit. Like I literally, I think I've just like slept funny. I woke up one morning. I was like, oh, my neck. Mm. But like. When I like set up for my bench, like when I'm there, like I will push my neck into the bench really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm doing that, I'm just like, oh god, like everything in my neck feels like it wants to just explode. So yeah, you could just really feel it. Yeah. So like my positioning wasn't as good today as it was say last week um, or previously, but I was like, eh. I got the job done, so that's all I really give two shits about. Yeah, it looked like it moved okay. Yeah, like it didn't feel like hard as such, um, but it was just more so like, I mean, like I, I did a bit of driving over the weekend as well. You um, did a lot of driving over the weekend. Oh, not like it was it was a bit, but it wasn't what I would really classify as like tons. Um, but it was like. Dude, if I drive to Bunnings, which I did this afternoon, that's a ton of driving. <laughs> it's five minutes away. Yeah. I've lost your video, by the way. Uh, I, can, I can still see you. It's okay. Well, it's back now. The cool thing about this program is it actually records like on the computer. Yeah. So like the, the call that I did with Annie last week, I don't know if you could notice on the one that I posted, but um, on some of the other videos that will be coming out, the audio is like just slightly delayed by like a second. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like cut over her sometimes because it's delayed a little bit. But when we were filming, 
when I was looking at her, the whole screen was like just blurred the whole time. Oh, good. Like super grainy and blurry. But then when you see the video, it doesn't look like that at all. See, because that's the thing, like, obviously, like, having gone out and bought the new camera and we had, like, the first week on here, I was looking at your footage. I'm like, dude, I'm like, yours looks grainy as fuck. It looks like what mine used to look like with my old shit camera. Yeah, but then when it comes out, it's yeah, not it's like that. perfect. Yeah. Um, it's deceiving. Yeah, so next, just a little bit jacked up, but still managed to get a pretty good session in, so I was pretty happy with that. Nice. Did you do anything after bench? Yeah, I did my top set of four, a back off set of eight. Um, I did some dumbbell pressing. I did some lap pull downs. I did some arms. And I did some shoulders. Nice. Yeah. What are you doing for shoulders? Lateral raises. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I used like to... between dips on my secondary day, between mm-hmm. dumbbell pressing. I'm like, probably need to do a little bit of isolated stuff with my delts just to try and, like, I want to build delts so, like, fat and juicy that I want people to go, oh, he's definitely on gear. Yeah. You know a really good way to do that? Just take steroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want delts that look like I'm on gear without actually having to be on gear. Yeah, that's fair. Lateral raises are great. Yeah. I'm like, a, got a huge advocate for lateral raises. Machine delt raise at the gym. Is it an Atlantis one? Yeah. Oh, they're so good. So we've got an Atlantis one and we've got a Prime one. Are they standing or seated? Seated. Okay, so the Atlantis seated one, that's the one that's on like a little bit of a forward angle. So the we've got two Atlantis ones. This is how spoiled we are in the gym, right? Yeah. So... We've got one that's got like these weird like handles that you literally you hold the handle like that, and then you can do like your lateral raises, yep. and then you can like lean forward on the chest pad, and it then yep. turns like a rear delt as well. Yep, that's the one I've one, used. Yeah, they've got another one there, which is just like a standard pad where you like you'll sit in there, you've got handles to hold on to, so as you come up, you're just going. Oh, through, like, and, and it's like the pad on your forearm. Yeah, yeah, I haven't used that one. I've used the one with the weird handles. I actually yeah. really like that one though. It's good. But I always feel like if I'm trying to do like my laterals heavy, by the time I get up into like this top position here, I feel like my hand and the handle, the handle just wants to go. Yeah, I use that wanker who's like, oh, I'm using straps to do lateral raises. Is the prime one a um, standing or seated as well? Seated as well, but they don't have the handles. Okay, how do you hold on to it? Well, because it, it's just this motion here. So oh, it's just that. I oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like having the handles to hold on to, yep. you, you can go into like a really nice position here. And then as you come up, you can really set yourself in a position that's really nice because you've got the handles to like almost like brace against. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking sick. But there's at World Gym Northern Beaches, which I train at sometimes, they have a standing Atlantis lateral raise and that yep. is my favorite i love that one because with that seated one i like to use that one when i want to do rear delts because i can lean forward on the pad and it takes out any torso movement whatsoever and i can really like isolate the rear delt and i can't go super heavy on those anyway so the handle thing yep. doesn't really matter with the standing one i'm too tall for the platform 
even on the lower setting. So I stand behind the platform so that my shin is just on the edge of the platform. And then when I grab the handles, because I'm a little bit lower and a little bit further back than the platform, I can come a little bit more forward with my hand, a little bit more into that like scapular plane instead of directly outwards. And I can really like stretch out my arms to the side of the room when I do it. And I just get the sickest delt pump every time. So nice, isn't it? Oh, I love it so much. It's probably that machine and the um, prime low row machine are my two favorites at that gym. When you guys are in Melbourne for Pro Raw, you'll have to come train at the gym I'm at with me. Do you guys have a prime low row? Dude, they have like prime everything. But do you have a low row? I believe so. If you do, I'll move to Melbourne. Guys, you he- heard it here first. <laughs> if not, I'm literally just going to say to the guy that, at the gym, like, can you get the prime low row? <laughs> Let's <laughs> make it. the kind of guys that would be like, yeah, absolutely, we can. You just, just be like, hey, listen to this. This guy said if you get a prime low row, he'll move here. Let's make him uproot his entire life just for a laugh. For the lols. <laughs> Dude, those low rows are the best. Mm. I strap up on them like a tool. Like I know sometimes you look like a wanker when you wear straps on a machine. I don't care. No, I don't. I would not agree with that at all. Sometimes you do. There are times when it's just like you just need to like raw dog things. Yeah. And there you will look like, like if you can do something heavy without straps, and then you can put straps on and do like something even like more obnoxiously heavy. Mm. I'm like, go for it. Yeah. Like um, the hammer strength, like plate loaded row that ha- they had a world gym. They've ha- they have one at um at one gym that I trained at as well. That's the the like ISO row, the high seated one with the two. Yeah. Yeah. So like I like to do those standing. Yeah. With your I hand on the like pad. It's lateral. Yeah. But like I can load like five plates per side for like sets of like eight to 10. Yeah. They're nice when you do them standing. I don't like them seated. I don't either. I like them standing. Yeah. But like that's where it's like if I put straps on and I can do like 100 plus kilo rows, I'm like I'm going to put straps on. Yeah. I'm a big advocate for straps on rows. But yeah, those low row machines, they're so juicy for my back. They actually... I have a third favorite. I have a third and fourth favorite machine that they have there. My third favorite is the. They have a um, a prime lat pull down. It's plate. It's pin loaded, but it's separate, separate stacks per side. Yeah, and it's it's actually a machine, not a cable, um, but it moves almost like a cable. It's the only place I've ever seen in that, and it's beautiful that hits my lats perfectly and my fourth favorite there is um i have like a a overhead tricep press machine Mm -hmm. which is beautiful nice they're my four favorites and the pendulum gets an honorable mention we do love a pendulum do you have a pendulum at your gym ah God damn it. 
We've got an Atlantis one, I think. They're my favourite. They're so nice. Yeah. I'm a big fan of pretty much everything Atlantis machines. They have done very well. Yeah, I can't really think of an Atlantis piece that I don't like. Like, when I say that, like, the amount of shit that we have in the gym is outrageous, it's outrageous. It is outrageous, I know. How far is that from the, like, Yarra Valley-ish region? A fair way away. Like, what's that? Let me confer with the old uh, navigation. So, like... Is there a place that would be like 40 minutes to half an hour from either? Not really. Like, because if there is, I'll move there. Guys, you've heard it here twice now. We just need to find a really good excuse to get Nick to move here. <laughs> that's that's where the wine is down there, isn't it? The Yarra Valley? Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're staying when we go down to Pro Raw at a um at a llama farm. What's the name of that place that you're staying at? Oh, I can't remember. I'll have to um, look it up and send it to you. And found it on Airbnb. It's a it's a llama or an alpaca farm or something like that. Yeah. The Yarra Valley is a fair. It's a decent amount of trip of uh, kilometers from into from where you are. I'm sure there'll be a good gym around somewhere. We'll find something. Because, yeah, M's pretty serious, so it's on the cards. We'd love to hear that. She even looked up universities the other day. Yeah? Mm. Which ones was she looking at? Um, I don't know exactly what it was called, but apparently one of her friends, who's a dietitian, a sports dietitian, um, did her degree at one of the at one of the universities down there and yeah. did her masters down there and said it was really good so she got excited about that. Dude, I had the best training session this morning What's that, that I that I think I've had in a really long time. Why would you say it was like the best training session you've had in a while? Like what was what was different? Um, I, f- I feel like I've been gaining momentum mm-hmm. for the last few weeks and I, I'm like getting more and more excited every week as like I, I can keep progressing things and I have less and less pain. So every day, like every week when I'm waking up for training and there's less pain, I get more excited. And so it's kind of like, feeding into itself and getting more and more more and more momentum. And then I started a new program today, which is always fun. 
and the program moved a little bit less, like a little bit more away from rehab and a little bit more into like actual training mm-hmm. with still with some like movement drills mixed in. Uh, and it was just really fun, dude. Like the session flowed really well. You know, when you just write a program and you sometimes you do the session and you're like, oh, that didn't really like work out the way that I had planned it on paper. It just wasn't that fun or it didn't feel that good. Yeah. And sometimes you do it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's the magic. Yeah. Dude, I just did this session and everything I loaded the things that I've been doing. I was able to load more. They felt better. I started with some like, um, like jumping running drills, which I was like, fuck, this is incredible. Like I didn't think I would ever be able to do this again, let alone now. There was no pain. Then like the floating heel lunge that I've been doing, I was able to load that an extra 10 kilos, which is like, like an extra 10 kilos from last week. That's huge. Mm. And then front squats, I did 105 kilos. It just like literally felt like an RP zero. I was like, whoa, this is pretty nice. And then um, went and loaded the leg press, five plates per side, which is not heaps, but on the leg press we have, it feels really heavy. And two, I haven't done that for a really long time. Mm. So that felt nice. Quads had a massive pump, did those um, landmine RDLs. Glutes were just like, bro, what the hell are you doing? Screaming at me. And then I was like, okay, this is cool. And then did the, the 90 degree hip extension superset with the leg curls. And I was like, done, sweet. Like my legs were cooked. My knees felt incredible all day. I was just driving home. I was on a massive high. It was just a really good session. Awesome. So yeah, I don't know. It just feels really nice, man, to be able to actually train a session that, that I would consider like an actual proper training session, not just a, rehab session yeah to actually load things to go close to failure on things and to not have in the back of my head the whole time oh i hope my knee's okay i didn't think about it at all until i was driving home and i was like oh wow my knee's actually not even hurting at all that's fucking awesome dude it's just a really cool moment considering the fact that literally in november the guy said to me you will not walk again for the rest of your life without pain unless you let me do this surgery. And you will never squat again, regardless of if we do the surgery or not. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it's February and fuck you because I'm doing both. I wonder if you could like <laughs> send him an email or something and be like, boy, fuck stick. You know how you said I would never be doing any of this shit pain-free again? Fuck you. Yeah. It's just, and it's not even just like a fuck you, but it is like a fuck you, but it's, I'm just so fucking happy. You should be. Like, it, it just makes me feel so good that I didn't give up. I didn't just 
listen to this guy because he had more education than me or he, he was a doctor or whatever. I actually went home and thought about it, sat on it for a couple of weeks, had some conversations with you, had some conversations with Anne, had a few conversations with Will and came to the conclusion that I think I also talked to Tommy from Strength Tribe a couple of times. Yeah. And after all of those conversations, I said to Em, I think that I know enough that I can make this work and get myself back to moving around pain-free without doing this surgery. Mm. And um, she was like, are you sure? Because like, that guy was pretty adamant that you like have to do it. And I said, I know, you know, she um, she was good enough to trust me. And I just said to her, can you just give me three months? Like, I'm not going to enter the paperwork to, to go on the list. Can you just give me three months? And if it's not fixed um, by the start of April, I'll, I'll enter the paperwork and I'll get it done at the end of the year. Mm. And she was like, yeah. And here we are. And it's like. I'm so happy that I don't have to do it. That's awesome, man. I mean, I'm going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. But if I can put that off and for as long as possible, that's obviously the best option. Yeah. It's a really invasive surgery. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just really fun, man. It's had me on a high all day. That's awesome, dude. I think it just really goes to speaks to the fact that there is there is options. Most of the time, mm-hmm. you just have to take a minute to think about it and try and figure it out. Think about things on a little bit of a deeper level. Okay. You've, you've been a pretty uh, integral part in that process as well, which I appreciate. Thank you. Happy to do my part. <laughs> Always challenging. That's what friends do. <laughs> I feel like that should be that should be a shirt that Ben makes. Always challenging. Do you mind if I challenge you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look. Probably. <laughs> do you mind if I challenge you on that? You so- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so polite about it. I know what you're saying though, under your breath. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it, this guy wants to max out again. Why am I stronger? Why am I still sore? <laughs> hey, I haven't said that for a long time. I know, because I would have fucking slapped you by now if you had. I used to say that. I know. That used said- to be like 80% of our conversations. I know. You're like, bro, I had a good session, but I'm so sore. Yeah, I can't move my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ben, I'm done squatting. Can you unwrap the weights for me? Because I can't lift my arms up to the bar. Everybody fears the (laughs) T-Rex. Yeah, I haven't done that for a long time. I sent you a video the other day of me putting my arm above my head. That's how excited I was. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy times. Mm -hmm. And... um. Em's very happy that I can move a little bit better. I bet she is. What did you get up to on the weekend? Anything exciting? Um, I had two sessions on Saturday morning, 
um, which is a bit of fun. I had, um, so I've, I've had like a, an ex client start up again for like a couple of months just to sort of get, get some things moving in the right direction again. And then I had an old client, um, like just coming for a consult. She's like, oh, I'm having all these troubles with like, you know, like some trap bar deadlifts and some like B stands RDLs. And it's funny, like we've done a few sessions like this where we just, we catch up for a consult. Like we've, we've worked together previously, like every single week. So now when she books in for consults, it's usually just like a, she's having a few issues, just needs like a fine tune. Mm-hmm. She literally walks in. She's like, oh, look, you know, I don't know if I need to be doing more of this or more of that with my trap bar deadlifts. I'm like, that. <laughs> and she's like, okay, cool. And it's like, we have a look at her beast dance deadlifts. So I'm like, all you need to do is like this one small adjustment. And she's like, oh, is that it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. She she's like, you know, we always have these sessions where like I've tried for weeks to try and like problem solve something. She's like, you literally will come in and within like 10 minutes of an hour session, have pretty much fixed my problems. I'm like, yeah. Efficient. Science. Efficient. Like, for example, like her beast dance RDLs. We've spoken about like people when they do anything unilateral and they drop into like a negative shin angle. Mm-hmm. She was doing that like really severely. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all you need to do is just like keep your shin angle neutral and that will change everything about this, this range. She did it and she was literally like, my God. Mm. Oh, Makes God. a huge difference, hey? Yeah. And I'm like, it, and she's like, so she's worked with coaches in the past before, like before me. Um, and like they would, you know, be like, oh, well, you've got to do your minimum 16 weeks with me, whatever it ended up fucking being. And she would get to like the end of that 16 weeks and she's like, I'm still having pain with movements that I had in week one. And then like when we started working together, she was like, oh, look, you know, when I do my deadlifts, like, I get a bit of like discomfort in my lower back. When I do back extensions, I always feel in my lower back. Like I don't feel my glutes in my hamstrings at all. I can't do hip thrust because I just feel it in my lower back. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, cool. I'm like, do you want to be able to do these movements? She's like, well, yeah. She's like, I enjoy doing them, but she's like, I just can't do them very well because like it just goes to my lower back and I can only load it to like this point. And within like, a few sessions it was like all right cool like you now deadlift like 90 to 100 kilos as like a 54 kilo woman who's got two young kids nice. so that's, you know nearing up around that sort of you know double body weight mark for someone who's like a fucking teacher yeah um and then just like repositioning a few things on a back extension it's like cool you're being taught how to do a back extension using your back not how we want you to do a back extension despite what the name suggests like we don't want to use the back that much no um, man it's you'd be surprised how many people you have to explain that to huh i mean to be fair though like the name kind of does blur the lines a little because you think well back extension i'm using my back to extend yeah um so yeah like i had two really good sessions there um and then i end up having to drive my grandparents out to their holiday house on a Saturday afternoon and then drive them back on Sunday. Nice. That's fun. You don't get to see them as much anymore, do you? Uh, 
not as much as obviously like this time last year when I was living next door to them, hmm. but I still try and make an active effort to pop in like once a week. Yeah, cool. Look at you. Good yeah. grandson. Try not to be a shit cunt. <laughs> Failing. <laughs> How was yours? Um, I was just gonna. I was just thinking. Yeah, it was pretty good. Oh, dude, it was good. We went um, on Saturday. We had the group strength session, the crew training. Yep. That I that I've been um, putting up on Instagram about. Man, that was so good. There was such a good turnout. Um, way, way better than I expected. Um, and I, like I said, like I've been saying on Instagram, I love crew training. Uh, I love footy training. The thing I loved about footy training was having the boys around and and kind of all doing it together and having that really high vibe, high energy environment. I feel like it makes those really tough sessions a lot more fun when you're not just in it alone. And I feel like there's something really special that comes out of that as well. When you when you go through those sessions with other people, it's a different kind of bond that you that you form with them. It's like, and I, I guess it's probably similar to what you would get in the military in, in active duty, but obviously like a lot scaled down. But like a similar type of concept where it's like you're going through these these you know hardships together even though you're choosing to do them that in the moment they feel really tough and you're doing it with someone else and i feel like you can bond over that and it's quite special yeah and we had such a good crew turn up um one guy came in got a 7.5 kilo pr on his deadlift 280 he'd been sick all week lost three kilos from throwing up um so like very suboptimal conditions just came in and just yeeted a massive pr which was awesome and the energy for that was huge M was upstairs doing a nutrition consult at the time with a powerlifter and both of them i was i went like full send on the hype for that one and i was like scream like i turned the music up to 60 which is super loud in our gym like the big subwoofer was like blowing the doors off and um I was just screaming at the top of my lungs nonstop at this guy. And um, then everyone else joined in, obviously. And so the vibe was huge. And both the girls upstairs kind of looked at each other and they're like, that sounds like a meet down there. (laughs) It was like proper huge energy. So that was really fun. And that was pretty close to the start of the session. Um, And that just kind of set the tone. Then everyone was really psyched and there's there's a lot of good stuff I, I got to teach a lot of people a lot of things which i really thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. i feel like everyone got something really cool out of it so that was that was awesome man that's probably been the highlight of my year so far it was just yeah it was such a cool session we're going to do it again next weekend that's how good it was Fuck yeah um and then from there we went out to um to this winery to do a wine tasting that um that M found and okay so to preface this my favorite cuisine in the entire planet is French okay okay like I love French restaurants I love French food 
it's uh, anything French. I love French wine. Like anything French, I'm all for it. French cheese, absolutely. So the, this is the only French restaurant in the valley. We haven't been yet because we only just found about found out about it. They have a winery attached to it as well. So we went to the winery for a wine tasting. Dude, every wine that we tasted was off the charts good. So we ended up joining the wine club there. We got a cheese board to with the tasting from the restaurant next from the French restaurant. The cheeses were like legit great. We booked into the French restaurant for lunch next weekend. And then on the way home, we stopped and then we bought a bottle of wine from that winery because we're like, this is great. Like we cannot leave without this. Mm-hmm. Stopped on the way home at the cheese shop, bought two really nice French cheeses. And then Sunday night had a cheese board with the wine that we bought from the winery on Saturday. Weekend made. Fuck yeah. Dude, it was really good. That's awesome, man. Hmm. It's actually really, really good. So I'm looking forward to going to that French restaurant next weekend. I feel like uh, next Monday's episode, we're going to have a fun recap because I'll be going to um, Jackalope over the weekend as well. Oh, that's this weekend coming? Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to compare photos. Oh, dude, I'm so fucking pumped. Yeah, tell me about that because I looked up at that. I looked that place up on Instagram, dude. It looks intensely good. It is. <laughs> so, a, a good mate of mine's getting married, and that's where they're getting married. Nice. Um, so, I mean, like, I feel like, like, I'm really excited to see what the menu is. I feel like that's just going to be off its tits. Yeah, I, it will. I trust. I looked. The food yeah. there looks so good. Um, and then obviously, like I'm hoping, like the wine and stuff is like elite as well. It will be. Um, which again, I would imagine they'll probably have wine from their winery paired with all the food. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also fortunate enough I get to stay there as well, which I'm <laughs> really looking forward to. Do you like staying in hotels? I, I really do. Yeah, me too. Like, there's something about it that just feels like so like scandalous and cheeky. <laughs> it's nice. Hey, I actually really like staying in hotels. Yeah, like, I think it depends on the hotel. Like, I, there are some hotels I've stayed in where I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. But given this is such a luxury, like, hotel and like a luxury winery, I'm like, and I've looked at the photos of the accommodation, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be upset. No, I don't think you're going to be upset either. It looks I'm really like, nice. I don't want to leave. <laughs> I'll be like, calling up to the bed and like, yeah, can't make me leave. <laughs> no, I live here now. <laughs> but I'm part of the furniture. What's the squatting laws? Once you're in a place for a certain amount of time, you you technically own it. It's like, if you're going to remove me, remove me from the room, good luck. Yeah, I'm staying here until I'll I own like, it. Full, I'll, like, I'll go full Britney. I'll shave my head. And I'll be like, you can't take me. <laughs> so if you see me on the news on a, a ma- on Saturday afternoon, that's why. It's not a massive jump. No. It's just no. <laughs> it's, it's it's a small step to get to that crazy. Oh, that's like a step backwards. Really. Yeah, you've gone past it. Yeah. I've like evolved into a new level. It's, like, oh. <laughs> it's hidden. Yeah. 
you, did anyone ever tell you, um, you know, when you were doing those, um, let me tell you a secret things on Instagram? Yeah. I've <laughs> those saved. <laughs> you look like, um, who's that actor that, um, that's like, he's a really good actor, but he, he's kind of creepy in almost everything. Not creepy, but a little bit crazy. Jack Nicholas? Jack Nichols, Nicholson? Jack Nicholas? Nicholson? Nicholson? Yeah. Yeah. Is Nicholas is the golfer, right? Oh, Jack Nick, Jack Nicholson. Did anyone ever tell you you kind of look like him? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> you do a little bit. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you do the crazy things. So pretty much everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everything that you do. <laughs> we, we have fun. That's all right. Do you want to talk about benching? Seeing as how you bench today? Fuck yeah, man. All right. Do you want to give us a little bend the def- bend the definition, man? Do you want to give us a little definition about what bench is? Bench is when you lay down on a bench. A bench. Um, and you unrack the barbell, you lower it down to your chest, and you press it back up for a very, very basic explanation. Yeah, a barbell. You said barbell, right? Well, I mean, if you're doing a, a, a bench press, it's either going to be a barbell bench press or a dumbbell bench press. Yeah. Um, but regardless of which implement you use, it's still a bench press. Yeah, you're laying on the bench and yep. lowering the, the weight to your chest and then pressing it back up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So... That, if that's Break what it, we'll see you next week, guys. Yeah, cool. So quick episode. Moving <laughs> on. Next week we'll talk about deadlifts. <laughs> you kick the bar up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get to some questions that we had about bench press. I don't know if you saw those, but I put them into the shared note just before I jumped oh, on. I didn't see those, but um, before we get to those, I guess we can kind of run through um Bench press is obviously the second of three lifts in if you're a competitive powerlifter that you have to compete. Yep. Complete. Um, so I think we could probably go through competition standards for what for the bench press, and then um, out of those competition standards, what would we use for maybe like the general population, yep. if at all, if at all, we would use them. Um, and then we can kind of just see what rabbit holes we go down from there because I'm sure there'll be a few. Um, so competition standards of a bench press, go for it. Uh, so obviously in terms of grip width on a standard comp bar, the knurling line is going to be set like 81 centimetres apart. Mm-hmm. Your grip has to be inside that so you can go as far as like um, well, next finger on that line. Um, obviously, then have some people who do like jack grip where they try and like really like crank into like huge amounts of internal rotation to essentially be able to go a little bit wider than that without actually being called for it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that's kind of like the widest leg grip you can take. But on racks, pretty much you need to have your feet set, I'm on the bench. And be holding the bar in a nice steady position to get your start call from the head rep. You get your start call. You've got to lower the bar down to a dead stop on the chest. Once you have 
showing that you're at a complete dead stop. Then you get a press call. Pretty much for the press call, it needs to go from that point directly up without any downwards motion. Mm -hmm. Now, for every single person except for me, your bum has to stay on the bench. <laughs> Yours doesn't. You're special. Mike can come this far off. <laughs> any um, further and you get reds, though. Dude, I could have, like, hit thrust. <laughs> you did. I know. <laughs> but, like, I could have, like, really fucking sent it. I probably still would have got that. <laughs> um, so, obviously, like, bar's going to go from the chest to a lockout position where you then have to wait for your rack call. Mm -hmm. And, obviously, don't rack it before you get that call. Otherwise, all of your hard work is for nothing. For nothing. Yep. And then... Uh, depending on the federation that you compete in, uh, you can have your heels up or you have to have your heels down. Yep. And then uh, obviously IPF now has that stupid fucking like elbow depth rule. Yeah. Which is so stupid. Is Are people getting called for that? It'll be interest, interesting to see. Like, because I know some people have been called for it. Yeah, okay. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how long it takes to then turn around and go, well, we're now going to introduce a rule where you've got to meet a certain distance requirement for your deadlift. Hmm. Yeah, well, there was a lot of talk about that when the bench thing happened. I just feel like that elbow rule is... <laughs> but that would be it, like... it sounds to me like it would be really hard to judge. It would be, like... I think unless, like, even if you look at like IPF depth, it's a bit much. I agree. Like when you look at the rule books and it's like the hip crease needs to be below the top of the knee. Like that's really not that hard to assess, but you get these people that are having to go like that far below to make it like beyond doubt. Mm -hmm. But again, like when you look at the rule book, like if like, Obviously, feds may have small differences, but for the most part, the rule book will stipulate like hip crease needs to be below the top of the knee in the squat. If there's a position where you're like, oh, I'm not really sure if that was or wasn't, it's meant to go in favor of the lifter. Mm -hmm. Like that's uh, and that, in the rule books. That just doesn't happen as often as it should, though. No, but that's where I like some of it. I would look at and go borderline okay maybe the rest going like i'm not 100 sure i have to give it to them mm -hmm. like i feel like it's pretty easy to tell if someone's high mm -hmm. if someone if you're like oh i'm not really sure like this is where and again like i know powerlifting is a relatively new sport and there's not a lot of money in it yet but like when you look at like say cricket for example and they're like oh like we're not sure if that was out or not and they go like to their you know their third umpire and they do all the, like the technology shit to go, well, was there any connection of the ball on the bat as they went through? Like it may have just been a small nick. They've got like the audio sensors. They've got like heat marks and all that sort of stuff where they can actually go, well, we can use technology to determine like, mm -hmm. is this person actually out or not? Or are they still in? I think if powerlifting grows to a point where, you know, they're able to sit there and go, well, we, we can go to like a, a fourth referee where we, we bring it up on the big screen and they can go to a point where they can run like markers and lines and shit and go, well, here's the top of the knee here. 
the hit crease has to be here. You actually hit there, you're good. Yeah. It would be cool if, and this will, I don't think this would ever happen at like local meets or anything, but let's, let's think about like national level meets, for example, when there is some money on the line or, or titles on the line and it, it's a little bit like, okay, like we want to get the calls right here. It's, yeah. This is important. It means something. How cool would it be if you could have a, like a, just say you get two challenges per meet. The lifter gets two challenges per meet. And like you said, then it can go up to a big screen. And if you get the, like like in um, NRL, right? Like if you get the challenge wrong, you lose the challenge. If you get the challenge right, you keep both challenges. Yeah. And then, and you move through the meet and say at the start of the day, um, every lifter is on their soft suit or just under their soft suit. They get little um, sensors, little sensors put on their hip joint and on on their knee. And then, literally, as they're squatting, there's, there would be no subjectivity to it at all. You could literally pull it up and be like, "Yep, the hip sensors have gone past the knee sensors. That's a good squat." I. I feel like maybe at things like shit, like so obviously like Sheffield's on next weekend, which hmm. I'm really fucking pumped to watch. Yeah, me too. Because like there's going to be some outrageously strong lifts. Mm-hmm. But if at an event like that, they're like, you know what, we, you know, we've obviously got a lot of money on the line for this this comp. Um, if then like, you know, like a, a sports institute was like, hey, look, we're going to sponsor the event. We're going to bring like our sports science teams in. We're going to kid everyone up with this stuff here. It would obviously then just be a matter of like, like making sure that obviously they can process the data at a rate where they don't have to like, oh, well, we now have to take the data away and like process it and all that. That stuff's like, that stuff's pretty instant. Yeah. It would just be a matter of like, if they could get it hooked up, but there'd be no reason why they couldn't. It'd just cost a bit of money. Dude, I reckon that would be so cool. It would be, and like it'll be very interesting to see if that is the direction that powerlifting takes to try and legitimize it a little bit more. Um, I mean, like, as as good as it, like, and this is again, like, without trying to go down like a massive rabbit hole. No, go. Like, there's one ref in Australia that I'm like brutal, but fair. Mm-hmm. Did you ever meet Scott Watson from? Um, I've never met him, but I know who he is. Yeah. So, like, he would ref at, like, big dogs. Yeah. As we've actually know, we've got his trophy in our gym at the moment. Yeah. But, like, obviously, like, when you've got those big boys squatting, like, it can sometimes be pretty hard to be, like... Yeah, the big boys are tough. Yeah. Like, it looks like they're high as all hell, but, hmm. like, there's just a lot of mass. Yeah. He was, like, the one ref that you would see. He would, like, get out of his chairs and, like, sprawl on the ground and be, like, looking for like every fucking angle that he possibly could like that refing there i'm like that's the refing i like yeah i remember at pro raw i think it was 11 maybe um when i scored a 280 for the first time i had one of the refs come up to me after the squats were all finished and he was like because i was like you know 280 for me at the time was a pb and he's like dude he goes that was a really good squat like gave me fist bump i was like oh thanks man he goes but you were this close to getting a red. I'm like, Sounds so what perfect, I then. Is that was a perfect squat. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess so. He was yeah. like, you just bang on. You're like, exactly where you had to be. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sensational. Thank you very much. But like, S- Scott was from Brisbane, right? Yeah. He yeah, opened all th- the publications for all the Valhalla stuff and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think, I think, um, because I've, I've had a conversation with someone recently about how good Queensland States is for GPC. And, and their, their response was that that was Scott that built that up to what it is now. Because that, even to today, like that GPC Queensland States sells out like quick yeah. within a day. Yeah. Um, but like, I think sort of coming back, obviously, like to the, the point about like bench press depth and that sort of thing. I think it's going to get to a point where it's going to be a little bit arbitrary based on the judge. There are mm-hmm. going to be some judges who are like, no, like I want to see like the elbow being like below the shoulder or something like, like I want to see it in line with. There are going to be somebody who like, I want to just see hit that point and press back up. I personally think it's pretty stupid rule. Like the way that I look at powerlifting is I'm like, especially when you look at deadlifts and you get a deadlift specialist. You know, these are arguably people that may have been like ridiculed when they were kids because of their leverages and they're like just lanky as fuck. And mm-hmm. they've now found a sport where they can actually utilize those to their advantage. Yeah. But if I look at, you know, bringing in like a, a depth rule for bench and, a you know, a depth rule for like squats is what it is. Um, I think that's an appropriate rule, but I think- like, I think so too. I think bringing in say- like if they go haywall for deadlifts, there needs to be a minimum of four inches of range of motion for it to be considered legal. I think the moment they start going down that rabbit hole, I feel like they're going to implode from the inside out. And I agree. And even go to other feds. But I look at it and I go, it would be like playing a game of basketball in the NBA and then going, well, anyone who's over six foot 10 has to play on their own ring that's off to the side. Everyone else can shoot on the normal size ring. But if mm-hmm. you're six ten and above, like, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he's like this really, really young kid who's like 7'3 or something like that. Is that the guy that you kept sending me? Is it Wembeana? Yeah. Yeah. But like, he literally doesn't even need to jump so he can dunk. <laughs> Dude, he's so big. But I'm like, he's big, but he's fucking athletic too. Like, yeah, the kid I know. moves really well. Like, he's got really good ball skills. And you like you see some of the games they play against where like him and the other center they play against, like they have like one-on-one scrimmage matches. And he like, like fake off to one side, like do like a reverse spin and like just like reach out and like dunk from the fucking like free throw line. It's like watching Marcus he's... Gordon in like Space Jam when he goes for like the, the <laughs> big dunk and he stretches his arm out. It that's him, but in real life. Yeah, he's a massive cheat code. Yeah, but like imagine if they said to him, "Hey man, you're actually like your leverages aren't fair to play in the NBA. We now have to put you on a special ring, mm-hmm. um, where it's you know instead of it being like a ten foot ring or whatever the fuck it is." We're actually going to make this one like 12 foot and we're going to make the ring a little bit smaller. So it's actually harder for you to make a shot. Yeah. It's just I, not, it's not people fair. People just look at that and go, what the actual fuck are you doing? That is just <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. But no one questions it when it's yeah, like, Well, yeah, actually a lot of people like, have questioned it. Yeah. Like, obviously like, you know, when you're looking at, uh, uh, like a thing as, as big as the NBA is, like, how many billions of dollars is that thing worth? Yeah, a lot. 
yeah, like I don't think they're going to turn around and go, oh, we're going to introduce stupid rules. I think powerlifting is still young enough where they can afford to do potentially like some stupid moves. Um, but I mean, like this is this is the other thing that like I keep coming back to is like how many people that aren't involved in powerlifting will share videos of like someone who can get like this huge arch and their range is literally just like. Yeah, but that's the one I know. I mean, you just look at look at the comments on every bench video that Pro Raw puts up on their Facebook page, and like you watch Jen Smith bench double bodyweight, and people are like she's got to break her back arching that hard. Yeah. Like, oh, she only moved the bar two inches. What even is that? Like, that's not a bench press, and it's like, well, it actually is. It's like, yeah, you're just getting your fucking panties in a twist because you're getting out benched by a chick that weighs probably fucking half of what you do yeah and i but i think that's a really good um distinction to make between maybe like a competition style bench press for powerlifting versus are you wanting to bench to make your chest bigger are you benching for hypertrophy if so that's probably not the best way to go about it i would probably just well like there are obviously going to be some competitors that are going to use physics to their absolute advantage. And they're going to go to the nth degree to go, how much can I maximize my positioning? How much can I maximize joint angles and all that kind of shit to be able to maximize the amount of load that I can lift? Even if there may be some higher risk categories and higher risk profiles to, to sort of be associated with those, mm-hmm. it's like, that's an informed choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I have standards that I will start, like if someone comes to me and they're like, how do you powerlifting? I have a standard that I'm like, cool, this is where you start mm-hmm. until you build a decent enough base of pressing strength. And then if your leverage is allowed for it and your mobility and your control within those ranges is good enough, then we can potentially look at starting to explore some of these more like specific style of complex. Like I had a, I had a client of mine um back in like 2021 um like i was like cool like i'm gonna start you with like a mid-grip bench i'm gonna start you with a conventional deadlift and i'm gonna start you with like high bar squats but looking at her move i'm like she will absolutely fucking thrive off a low bar squat she will probably thrive off a wide grip bench and i know for sure she's gonna thrive off a sumo Mm -hmm. but i'm like i don't care yet Mm -hmm. like you think of any other sport you've ever played in your entire life. When you're first getting into a sport, you spend the first however many months, years, whatever, learning fundamentals. Exactly. And then you get to a point, like, think of, like, say, jiu-jitsu as an example. Like, how long do you have to spend as a fucking white belt before they go, here, you are rewarded with a blue belt. And then mm-hmm. you get a promotion from there to the next level. And then you get taught more, and then you get better. Like yep. for most sports, there's that natural progression of like, hey, you've reached this level. Now you've got to do X, Y, and Z to reach this level. In powerlifting, people come in and they're like, oh, I've never, I've never been to a gym before, and I've never done powerlifting before, but I need to be doing the stuff that the most elite, advanced people do because I'm a fucking special snowflake. Yeah, and and, and, <laughs> and because I've and because I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I want someone to have a good understanding of like, can you stabilize your scapulas? while you're pressing in a general general range because if you can't 
we probably have things that we need to address. Because if I if you can't dumbbell press here without doing like these ones, the moment I put you out here, it's probably just going to be exacerbated even more. Yep. Yep, I like that. I was literally, as you were saying that, I was thinking about um, football. You know, like football is a good analogy for me because I played it so much growing up. But, you know, you see these guys that when they tackle, um, you know, they lead a little bit more with their head, their feet leave the ground right before impact and they just kind of like launch into into the player, the attacking player and just, you know, like Sonny Bill Williams, great example, Victor Radley, Adrian Morley, three of my favorite players of all time, just brutally when they when they defend, then that's not textbook. That's not how you get taught when you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. You get taught the fundamentals of defending and how to tackle properly and safely and efficiently. And then when you're advanced at that, you can start experimenting on different things that might be more advantageous to you as an individual, but you have the base to grow from. Yes. But this is the thing of like that gives me the shits about the fitness industry and about powerlifting is everyone goes, Oh, I'm doing this niche sport with these niche coaches who like, are like, Oh, well I've done, I've done two comps. I'm going to be a powerlifting coach. Mm. And it's like, what business do you have coaching people? and taking money for it when you have no experience. Mm-hmm. Like again, I have no issue with people being like, Hey, look, I would love to get into powerlifting competitions and I would love to be- become a coach. But it's like, cool, build skill, build time, like build the, the attributes that are actually going to make you a good coach and do it for free. Yeah. I think the hardest part about, about this topic with um, people like thinking that they're ready for the more advanced positions, like even like low bar or benching with a really, really wide grip are two of the ones that come to mind straight off the top of my head is it's the same with nutrition, right? Yeah. Because if you've gone to the gym a few times, maybe for a year or two, because you're going to the gym, you think, well, I train. If my brother or my sister or my friend or my aunt or whatever asks me what I've done to get results, I'm going to tell them when in reality you don't really know what you're talking about just because yeah. you go to the gym. You know, Everyone eats food, so therefore everyone becomes an expert on nutrition when in reality there's a lot more to it than just putting shit in your mouth or not putting shit in your mouth and losing some weight. <laughs> it yeah. goes a lot deeper and it goes a lot deeper with this too, like, where you grab the bar matters, where you put the bar on your back matters. And if you're not ready for those positions, it can do a lot more damage than good. Like, don't get me wrong. There are going to be people that are just beautifully suited to benching with like a wide grip because that's just what their their biomechanics is better suited towards. And that might be a matter of where you go, well, I'm going to give them their bench press and it's all going to be that grip because it just, it just, it lines up that fucking nicely that we really don't want variation with our bench variation but it's like i still want them to be able to do dips i still Mm -hmm. want them to be able to do dumbbell pressing i still want them to be able to do like basic movement stuff that is going to then support that bench press being even stronger like Mm -hmm. for example i see this a lot with like in particular like lightweight females Mm -hmm. is they'll get into these positions where they're like 
you know, as wide as they can legally grip. They're arched like a croissant. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, bang. And they like, you know, they might bench like 80 kilos at 50 or whatever it is. Massive benches. Mm-hmm. Like not taking away from that being like a phenomenal feat of strength because it, frankly it, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's like you ask them to do a dumbbell press and they're like, I can press like the 12s. Yeah. Like so that, this that, that doesn't add up. Like it doesn't add up. The dumbbell presses up to like 22s, 25s, and to something where you were actually like, I'm actually being able to press and I've got some genuine strength there. Then when you go back to this, you'll probably find that that 80 is something that you'd now rep. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say is, yeah, that position's allowing you to be extremely strong, but this is just, that's that's a perfect example of what we were talking about last week or the week before where people are just like kind of missing the forest for the trees and over-techniquing and just forgetting to actually get strong in the process. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're really, really, really strong in these positions because you're you're gifted genetically and you're able to get yourself in these positions or you've worked really hard and you're able to get yourself in these positions and your technique is beautiful and you can move a lot of weight and that's fucking awesome. But if you were then to go and work really hard on your accessories and get strong in those different positions like you were just talking about, yep. how much stronger could you be with that technique? And this is something that I see with powerlifters across the board. And this is why, like, at the moment, like, in particular, like, and again, just to sort of, like, make it about me again, um, <laughs> with, with my training at the moment in terms of, like, cool, like, nothing is comp spec for me at the moment. It's, like, I still squat, I still bench, and I still deadlift. But, like, I'm doing it in a way where I'm actually able to train some, like, really awesome output. But I'm also utilizing my accessories to really stimulate adaptation that then... I can track the metrics and go, well, am I getting enough stimulus in the main work here Mm -hmm. to facilitate the adaptation and the progression each week? And are my accessories here being pushed and like appropriately hard enough to help them facilitate this being pushed up at the same rate? Like, Mm -hmm. for example, like last week I dumbbell pressed the 42s. Hell yeah. This week was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm gonna go to the 47s, and I was like, cool. Like, I still got my rep range. It was just a little bit harder this week. I was like, my neck and like mm-hmm. a different bench, which meant that I, like, it was a different like height setting, like a hard height setting. But it's like, cool. I still progressed my dumbbells, mm-hmm. but I just it was like, cool. I I can just chase relative difficulty because if I'm still pushing within proximity of that challenge, I'm gonna be getting adaptation. Yeah, hundred percent. And so. Perfect. I had this exact conversation or similar conversation with M today. So Mondays are my programming day for yep. a, a big chunk of my clients. Mostly 80% of my comp clients are on Mondays and I have some that are later in the week with the um, and the my gem pop clients I do later in the week as well. And um, so I did uh, M's program today. And so when you lived up here, I think you were in the gym for one of M's 100 kilo deadlift attempts that she couldn't get off the ground. Yep. We went, we stopped deadlifting after that. Hey, Hey. and we did (laughs) good choice. And we did a, um, a, a few different variations just to like take the focus off deadlifting for a little while. They'll still deadlift variations, but, 
the load was a little bit less, the difficulty was a little bit higher. They were working on you know, different different aspects within the deadlift that I felt like she needed work on. Her accessories, because she's a ex-bikini competitor, she always pushes her accessories really hard. That's something that I never have to tell her to do. She just does. I just program what I want her to work on and she goes hard. Went to comp, got a PB. Uh, then we went after comp. She went away from deadlifting again and went to uh, deficit paused for a little while. And then she went to just paused off the ground. And then she went back to conventional deadlifts, normal like comp style conventional deadlifts for the last block. And she finished that last block last week with a four sets of five at 115. Yeah, which is fucking massive. Massive, dude. That in less than 12 months. Like that's yeah. huge. And that was a, a single at 100 that she failed. Yeah. And to now be repping out. Yeah. Like, and not, then more two reps, like fives. Yeah. Four sets of five. Yeah. And so right. then, yeah, so massive. And she was like, oh, this is really good. I'm making heaps of progress. To then today, I send her a program and I've taken comp deadlifts out for this block and comp squats out as well. And she has a variation of deadlifts and a variation of squats that are going to be significantly less load, but the position is going to be really challenged. And she's like, oh, will I still make progress because like i feel like i was getting really strong and i was like yeah you're going to make more progress because this is going to challenge the positions where you're failing and you'll get really strong there and then when you get back to your comp lifts you should be better Um, this is the other thing that as well that i feel like a lot of a lot of coaches and a lot of people kind of miss the bat on for the sake of progress is they just try and force adaptation rather than allowing like facilitating it yep I love that saying. Like the one area where I see it in particular, and don't get me wrong, like I've been guilty of this at at times as well, but like if I'm prepping for something, it's like it should be planned out and it should be quite meticulous and you should have enough data to make informed decisions. But And obviously not being in a comp prep at the moment, like I've got the freedom to be able to to like go, well, oh, but this block may end up being two weeks. It may end up being three weeks. It may end up being six weeks. It just depends on how long I can keep squeezing this out for. But like, for example, like I sit there, I'm like, cool. I always like to be really approach. Like I know people love like RPE for their top sets. I'm like, I love percentage based work for my top sets. If the 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 max that we're working with is relatively recent, mm-hmm. like if let's say we're coming off a comp or it, we did it two months ago, it's like, hey, we're going back into prep now. We can still use that number as a a pretty good baseline. And go, hey, well, we can do you know sets and reps at seventy five percent. We're probably going to get pretty fucking strong doing that yeah like again going back to like the the unspoken times here in victoria when we were in lockdown for fucking 600 years yeah I had a the dark days. who only had access to 180 kilos worth of weight mm-hmm. now his best deadlift was like 220 and i'm like cool we are just going to do sets and reps with like really sub max work mm-hmm First session when gyms reopened, he's like, he messaged me, he's like, hey, dude, I'm going to be going to the gym tomorrow night. Can I max out my deadlift? Yeah, go for it. And I was like, yes, you can. Because <laughs> actually, no, sorry, his best deadlift, I think, was 225. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, oh, like, can, I, can I max out my deadlift? And I'm like, yeah, man, like, you've been training really consistently. Like, you hit some really good volume. 
Like, I, I kind of want you to think of this as like around about a nine. It doesn't need to be an absolute. There was no nothing, no killers left in the tank. But like, make it pretty hard. And he pulled two thirty-two and a half. Nice. And he weighed like eighty-one kilos or something like that. Like he was light, so yep. pretty much nearing that sort of three times body weight territory. But he did all that off off sub max work. Yeah. And then like, how often do you see people when they do a prep now? And they're like, oh, well, I want to hit my my third comp attempts in training so that I know I can do it. A lot of people, and I, I don't agree with it. But I, I do. Th- I, I think it's one of the silliest approaches to training. Oh, 100%. But I do think there's a huge merit in doing heavies, but just not so heavy that you can't recover from it or that you put yourself into too big of a hole in it and it actually makes you go backwards. Yeah. But it's like I also see a, a fair bit recently uh, on the flip side of what you just said where people are prepping, and this is a completely different topic, but we're going down the rabbit hole, I don't give a fuck. People are prepping with high reps and not not doing any heavy and they're like uh like literally i saw this the other day the the most optimal rep range for strength is seven and that's that's what we prep on and i was like yeah like that's cool like you're going to get stronger but then what happens when you unrack a heavy single and you fucking shit the bed because it's seven times heavier than what you used to see like my first nationals that i did my last heavy session was a heavy two by two. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any singles in that prep. Yeah, but two is a little bit different to seven. Absolutely. Like I would imagine that like, I mean, like if I look at like some of the clients that I prep, probably anywhere between three and eight weeks out is when they'll start singles. Obviously, mm-hmm. depending on how skilled they are, how much exposure they actually need. Yeah, and I, obviously the higher skill level you are, the less exposure you need to the singles because you already have the skill. And doing a single rep, a heavy single, is actually a skill. Yeah. So it's like the the less skilled you are, likely the more you have to do in the lead up. I would also just look at like relative load that's being used as well. It's Yeah, it's going to be a lot less. Like at the end of the day, like singles don't get people stronger. Reps no, do. you just... Yeah, you just get better at doing the single though. Yeah, but it's like, that's where I would probably be like, let's do your heavy rep work and then I might give you some practice singles at like an RPE 8, mm-hmm. which by the time we factor in fatigue and all those other things, you're probably going to end up working with the same same way that you've used for your rep work, but now you're just reinforcing and ingraining skill acquisition. Yeah, it's not a bad, not a bad way of doing it. But I look at it and I go, well, what's what's going to get my, my athletes stronger? Is me yeah. stroking their ego at the start of the session be like, yes, of course, I can let you go and bench 140, even though your best bench ever is 140, but we're going to just fucking yeet it and YOLO and see what happens. No, I think that's a horrible idea. But I do also think from, um, from a powerlifter's like buy-in perspective, doing a progressively heavy single each week, that's not like a one RM single, but like getting progressively heavier for a certain amount of time or a heavy set, even if it's a double, I'm using a lot of doubles at the moment for one of my athletes who's 
currently seven weeks out. Um, it gets good buy-in, right? Like powerlifters love lifting heavy stuff. So it's like go and do this heavy double and then do the rep work that I want you to do after that. Mm. And then they're like, okay, I'm happy now because I got to do a heavy double, which isn't a max effort, but it progressively gets heavier each week. So they feel like I'm getting stronger. Yeah. And then and then you can give them the stuff that you want to do after that. Yeah. And like, obviously, like having done this for long enough, like I understand like that buy-in aspect, especially with newer clients. Mm-hmm. My thing is like when you get like, say, a intermediate slash somewhat advanced client who comes in they're like, hey, look, these are what my numbers are, oh, but I want to do the exact same thing I've been doing for years with no progress. You're like, well, yeah, go, no. Like, what's the fucking point? Like, <laughs> you know, like for something to change, something needs to change. Yep. If you're not willing to let go of what you believe to be the best approach because that's what you've been running for years and you haven't made any progress, then why the fuck would we keep doing that? Of course, that's just insanity. Yeah, and that's where, like, if I was to ever prep again, I genuinely think I would probably outsource it mm-hmm. just because I'm like, I, I don't want to have to think. Yeah, dude, uh, I'm a big advocate for that. I'm doing my own programming now, but when it comes to prep, I won't be doing my own prep. Yeah, um, and that's also because, like, I don't want to have to fall into the whole thing of being like, oh, well, things aren't feeling good today or things are feeling pretty good today. I'm just going to fucking eat it. I mm. want like someone to be able to go, I don't care if you feel good or bad. This is just what you have to hit today. Yeah, there's no emotional attachment to the numbers for, for an outside person at all. It's literally yeah. just like, this is, is what it is. This is what you're going to do. Move on. Whereas, you know, you and I have had plenty of conversations where it's like, okay, I'm so emotionally attached to the outcomes here that I, you kind of, sometimes can get a little bit lost yeah. in an off season, not so much, but like even just with my rehab programming, I was like, I kind of just want to do everything because I'm so emotionally attached and I just want to get better. But yeah. it's like, I don't want to leave anything out, but I also can't be in the gym for four hours. <laughs> so it's like, and that- okay, let's, let's prioritize what we need to prioritize and leave out what we can't. It's just so much harder when it's yourself. Yeah. And I mean like, but at the same time, like, when you are doing it for yourself, you get a degree of feedback that no one else will ever get. That's like you go, well, how am I feeling today? Like, does my body feel good? It's like, yeah, it feels good. I can probably try and test the waters a little bit within the realms of that rehab and go, well, I might work with, you know, a 5% increase on this exercise because I feel really good. Mm-hmm. There's only one way that you're going to be able to figure out if you're progressing or not. And that's to kind of like reestablish where those, those boundary lines are and go, well, is that increasing and is that growing? And if it is, it's like, cool, the stuff I'm doing is probably within the realms of like the correct thing for me. Yeah. But it's when you can then go, oh, like I'm rehabbing like a, a niggly back. Oh, it's feeling pretty good. I'm going to go and try and pull 200. Oh, I just hurt myself again. It's like, dickhead. Like, yeah, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, it's like, you know, even if I look at my, my progress with my deadlifts that I'm going to be taking, like I'm taking substantial jumps, like I'm taking 20 kilo jumps per week. Mm-hmm. But the first three weeks uh, were all within realms of numbers that I've comfortably hit before. It's only going to be my fourth week where I'm going to be like, I'm going to be pushing this into a, an area that's unknown. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also and they've in- looked comfortable every week as well. So it's not crazy jumps just for the sake of jumping. But also like 
the conversation that we fucking had on Friday, maybe when I was squatting Mm -hmm. and I'm like, dude, like I'm fucking nervous. I'm a little bit scared because the feedback I'm getting through my body is exactly the same feedback I got when I hurt my hip, my, like my back deadlifting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do here. And you're like, dude, just like get some quality reps in. Doesn't yep. matter what the weight is, and then go and thrash your accessories hard. Push and something I, else. I fucking it, thrashed my accessories really hard. Was able to salvage the session. Yeah. Looking back, and I'm like, yeah, like I would have loved to have got my squat stuff in, but it's like that's it's neither here nor there. Like, uh, in the moment, though, it's so hard because I I knew I could tell from the messages that you wanted to just keep going. Like I was like, what's the point of going? And you were like, knock me a bitch. I was like, yeah. oh, that's such a Nick thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what is this role reversal day or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, day? You gotta take your own medicine, motherfucker. <laughs> but like, that was the thing. I was like, you know, I go sitting there and I'm like, fuck, like I'm, like, I don't want to be sitting there going, oh well, my squat session was only 120 kilos today because like that hurt my ego. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm stronger than this. I know I'm stronger than this. Yeah, but well, I'm like, yeah. I just sit there and I go, well. You know, you've had this issue for X amount of time and it's still a fucking issue. Like maybe that's going to mean a different approach for a while. Mm-hmm. And like a smart approach, you know, like I sit there and I go, look, my deadlifts, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what I need in a good prep for a big deadlift. And like, you know, Obviously, like I, I finished my rehab stuff on my back with like a really heavy set of good mornings, which felt fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And then coming back into my deadlifts, I was like, I feel my hamstrings significantly more than I ever have. And like I was mm-hmm. training today and I took a photo of my hamstrings. Yeah. I'm like, they're just fucking big, juicy boys sitting off my legs. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen my hamstrings look that big. Yeah. I know. I was surprised. Yeah. But I'm like, I do my deadlifts now. And it's like, I get the amount of hamstring feedback that I get is insane. You, you haven't had that much before? Never. Nice. That's good. But that's where I sit and I go, you know, like I'm due to pull like 210 for eight reps this week. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, obviously don't want to go in there like, go on like a blase and be like, oh, well, it's just 210 for like for eight. Like it's still a lot of volume in one set. But like then the following week of like wanting to go like two twenty seven for a nice round five hundred pounds for eight reps when the best I've ever done for eight is two twenty. Mm. Like it's like cool, like that's that's building some like some good baseline work. Yeah, it is. And then it's like cool, I I I'll run like sets of five after that. I'm like, I would really like to be able to finish on two sixty for five. Yep. Which I'm pretty confident I can do. Hell yeah. Like I pulled 260 for a triple off a deficit, no belt. Like Yeah, I saw that set. That was a good set. Like I pulled 270 for five, uh, for, for three with no belt. I'm like, I feel like I'll be able to do 260 for five. I've, I've got uh, a really good feeling that if I can finish this block strongly, that I'll be in a really good position to then go, all right, let's fucking, let's load this up and give it a bit of a yeet. Yeah, 260 for five puts you in a really nice position to pull 300 this year too. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's obviously, like, the end goal for me is, like, to pull 300. But I, I even reckon if I pull 260 for five, I'll probably have a block where I back off a fair bit mm-hmm. and kind of, like, reinforce 
where with things were starting to go a little bit like iffy, but mm-hmm. cool, I'm now going to almost have like a block or two as like back off blocks to kind of like fill in those gaps and then mm-hmm. have another really good run at 300. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it, man. But like, I think for me, like after I do nail 300, there is going to be like a, just a disgusting focus on getting my squat back up to something respectable. Yeah. Because I miss like, like I remember, like I look back at like some of my, my squat videos from when I was like, yeah, like I was strong, I was moving well. And I'm like, I was a really good squatter. Yeah. You've got a beautiful squat, dude. But I've told you that a few times. Now, and I'm like, like that looks like trash. <laughs> and it, it looks like trash. It looks good. It doesn't look as good as what it did before. Yeah. But that's where I'm like, I want to be able to get it to a point where people go, fuck, that's a good looking squat. I think the only reason it doesn't look as good as before, though, is it it shows that you're tentative in your movement. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, if I think back to like, say, 20, 2018, 2019, where like all my comps, I was sort of squatting around like 270, 280, somewhere around there, like there wasn't hesitation. But the other mm-hmm. big thing is as well, and this comes back to your point from earlier. It's like I had a I had a training crew, mm-hmm. I had training partners. I had people that were like, "Oh well, I can come in and wrap you for your squats," and they knew how to wrap really well. And I was like, "Cool!" Like I had a team around me. Yeah, that made it a lot easier for me to go. You know what? I don't have to worry about like wrapping my knees. I don't have to worry about, you know, oh fuck, like I'm going heavy and I don't have spotters. Like as much as I know I've got the slings of the mono, like I don't really want to have to dump it. Like yeah. all of those points of, of concern were taken away. Yeah. Um, like I remember there were nights when we would like we would have a crew that would say be prepping for pro raw, and we'd have like eight of us in the gym on a Friday night, all doing our rap squats, and it was just the best fucking time. Like yeah. you like you would sit there and like we would have like everyone on rotation, so it's like if you were the next person to be up squatting, like you would sit down, you wouldn't do anything. We'd have people spotting at the back, like on the sides. We'd have someone running the gate, someone at the back spot. And then everyone just knew that they was like, cool, all right, well, you're up next, so you're going to sit down and do fuck all, and everyone just rotates the position. Yep. Everyone just finds their spot. Everyone helps each other out. No one's having to load their own bars. Like, we're all helping each other. It's like, I do a set. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we've all done 230. Like, who wants what next? Oh, you want 245. You want 250. All right, well, you went first, and you're going heavier, so you're going to just wait a little bit longer. You're going to be up. And, like, we would have a – like, our sequencing fucking nailed – and I think that's also probably a big factor as to why I'm a little bit hesitant on my squats because I'm like, I don't feel as confident. Yeah, you don't I, have that around you. You put me in a front squat where like, it's like, oh, well, literally the worst thing that happens is I just I dump it out the front. Yep. I can do that. Sweet. Yeah, I like that. So um, so I was just thinking while you were saying that, super ADHD, but I was just th- thinking back to the bench press elbow depth rule how would how is that fair so say someone so say if you were competing and you were your exact height now your exact shape that you are but you weighed 100 kilo 125 kilos mm-hmm. and you competed in the 125s and most of that weight was in your torso you would sink the bar and your elbows still wouldn't be at depth. So that, and this is sort of like a point that I made is like, 
there are going to be some rules that just force people to have feds. Yeah, because and a lot of good benches are, are built like that. Yeah, but I would also say that, like a lot of those really good lifters are going to find a way to make it work. That it's probably going to mean like they have to change their bench technique. They've got to change their grip. They've got to change all of these factors to be like, I just need to fit within the rules now. And it's probably going to take kilos away from their lifts. Yeah. Yeah, it would for sure. Like even if you think of um, like the big fella, I reckon he'd probably have a hard time because he's he's pretty thick. I will be very interested to see. like, Because I mean, obviously he'll squat something ridiculous. And deadlift something ridiculous if he if he goes all out. Which with it being Sheffield, I feel like he will. I feel he, like ha- he still had he still had kilos in the tank last year though on his deadlift. And I, I know he broke records, but well, I, I mean, looked at that third deadlift and I was like, dude, there's still kilos there. It may look like there is, but he may also just have been like, that was a fucking perfect. Like I know that there, there have been days when like I've squatted something, and I'm like. If you put a kilo more on that bar, I would have been fucking flattened. Yeah, and then there true. are days when it's like it might look like a a ten, and you go like, "Oh well, I reckon I probably had another like 10, 15 kilos in that lift." And people were like, <laughs> "Like every single one of my lifts ever." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to building my squat back up to something where they're like, "All right, well, back like Ben's back to his lifting. Like, let, let, let's go." I'm looking forward to that too. Like, but do that, do on, that on this the year. Side of that, I'm also like, bench was my my lift for so many years. It was always just like a real hindrance for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just feel like my bench has now finally come to the party. It's like if I can get my squat back into a really nice groove, keep my bench kind of on the same trajectory that it's on, and keep my deadlift where it's at, I'm like, I don't see why, like a 750 gym total shouldn't be possible. That's sexy. Like if I can do a 750 gym total, again, like gym totals don't count, fuck all. But it's like, if I can be around well, sort of a 750 well, mark. Well, they can, they can if you don't compete. Yeah, but I'm like, then it doesn't fucking matter what a gym total is because it doesn't matter. Well, it does if you don't If you're not competing, then it does matter. That's, that's a measure of how strong you are. If you're a competitor, don't, Training totals are a fucking waste of time, and they piss me off. Yeah, because it, it doesn't matter. But if you if you're not competing, and you've said multiple times you're probably not going to compete, or it'll take something special for you to compete, in that case, a gym total does matter because it's the only measure of strength that you have. Yeah, I just don't like referring to it as a gym total because I think it's a really wanky concept. It, it is. Well, like I said, it's the only, it's, you're not a competitor, so it's, you're not going to get it. Like, oh, well, I, I scored a 290 or I scored a whatever. I benched 170 and I, I just pulled 300. Like, again, I don't need to do that in a day. I don't need to do that in a week. I can just be like, oh, cool. Well, Those are my numbers. The, my, my best lifts are X for a squat, X for a bench, and X for a deadlift. And they're my best numbers. And if people are like, well, what are your best lifts in comp? I'll be like, well, now that you've said it, I might have to go back on the platform and just make you shut the fuck up and just do it i think you should again it would take it would take something special for me to go yeah let's do it like and again i i am not a special powerlifter by any stretch of the imagination but i honestly think the only reason i would do it if someone's like i'll pay you to do it 
Oh, what about when I move to Melbourne and we could do it together? I still that, wouldn't do a comp though. I would train with you, but I would be like, I, I don't want to go on a platform. What are you scared of? It's not, it's not even scared. It's just like, <laughs> for me, it's like the effort doesn't equal a just outcome. I'm trying to goat you into it. I know you are, you motherfucker. Do you want to talk about external rotation? <laughs> are you trying to get me pissed <laughs> off? <laughs> Yes, I am. The external rotation is when you do this. So your bench yep. was a shit lift for a long time. Yep. It's been really good lately. It's been better. Yeah. Well, it's actually been pretty, pretty darn good and it's looking really nice. What do you put that down to? So again... One of the benefits of lockdowns here in Victoria and me having a delicious home gym <laughs> was that I could go and do a lot of the stuff that I've been putting off for years because I was very much in the frame of I'm a power lifter. I don't have time to do these because I'm prepping for a comp. Mm -hmm. Even though I might be six months out from a comp, I think it was just like, being immature and honestly probably just my ego getting the better of me yeah um but all like you know running blocks where i was like cool i'm gonna train heavy dumbbells and i'm gonna train output mm -hmm. and i'm gonna get myself comfortable with actually pressing weight i'm gonna do heavy dips where it's like there's a lot of pressure through my hands and there's pressure through my torso and i need to learn how to control that i need to teach myself to move better Mm -hmm. I think the big thing that kind of really changed the tone for me was one, reducing my volume significantly mm -hmm. and like just going, all right, cool. Like we have one really big fucking top set today. Yeah. Like I'm the kind of person that I respond really well to low volume, but really high intensity. Um, I think the other big thing was like, I did a lot of block work, which specifically for me just like works for my bench really, really nicely. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think as well, like training my accessories really hard, so like things like dips and a lot more overhead work that I hadn't been doing in ages um, to actually teach myself what scapular stability feels like mm -hmm. and not just trying to, jam myself into positions that I couldn't control and just overusing the fuck out of the queue of, you know, scaps back and down, scaps back and down. Because frankly, I don't think most people actually understand what the fuck they're trying to achieve when someone's yelling at them, scaps back and down, scaps back and down. And again, guilty of fucking using those cues to the fucking cows come home mm -hmm. was also someone who was given those cues and didn't really understand what the fuck to do. But I think having a bit of time to kind of like step away from having to do a heavy bench press and being like, oh, well, I can do a, a barbell Z press. And when I press up here, it's like, holy shit, like all the muscles in the middle of my scapula are on fire and I've never felt them work that way. Like, I mean, fuck, like I, I sent you the video, I sent the, the photo of when I did like the standing vacuum when I died it down, like you can see like all my ribs and shit. Like I was very skinny. Super. <laughs> but like i'll send you some pictures as well of me when i was training at home during lockdowns when i was like 
I'm like, this is while I was dieting and like, while I was like, Hey, I'm doing heaps of rep work. And like, I was fucking jacked. Send it to me. Oh, not right now. Oh no, I'm going to send it to you right now. <laughs> I just had to message Em and say, can I please get the aircon in here? Cause I legit feel like I'm going to die. Oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh my God. I feel so, I feel so shit right now. Yeah, me too. I can't breathe. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing for me was just kind of giving myself a bit of time to like do the shit that I needed to do without having to go. Oh, but I'm I'm prepping, and I've sent you those pictures as well. So like, have a geese. Did you send them on IG? Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude, what the heck? Yeah. When was this? In 2020. That was in lockdown? 2020, yeah. That back shot's intense. Yeah, how good is it? How good was the lighting in my house? Yeah. But like, that there for me was kind of like a point where I was like, oh, I've actually put on some pretty good muscle. Um, I'm, I'm moving pretty well. And I felt really fucking good. Mm-hmm. And then coming back into tr- like into the gyms when they reopened, it was like cool. Like I'm gonna because like I'd only ever had access to like 50 kilo dumbbells. I never had access to anything heavier than that. So I was like, I was at a point. I'm like, yeah, I can do like six reps with the 50s. And I was, like at the time, I was like, look at me, I'm hot shit. I can press the heaviest dumbbells on the rack. Yeah. And then started training at Pro Raw a bit more. And then they're like, you know, they had. I think they've got up to like seventies there. The gym I'm at now, I think, has got up to eighties. Like, nice. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I see guys at least like like you watch Faster do his dumbbell work, and he grabs like the eighties. He's just like, yeah, like that don't exist. And I'm like, bro, like, fuck off. Like, just that's so strong. Won't. Or like, um, fucking Alex Simon. There were times when he would be pressing like hundred kilo dumbbells, and they're like. This fucking big, and he's just like to get them down. He's here, and there's like two reps with the hundred kilo dumbbells, and you're like, bro, like, what the fuck are they feeding you in Sydney? Yeah, didn't he do like seated shoulder presses with sixties or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure for a set. Yeah. It wasn't just one or two reps; it was like six like, or seven reps or something. Yeah, it was something fucking stupid. Oh man, but- that's so strong. But that's also where, like, I found a lot of the strength in my bench really came from is, like, actually putting myself in positions where it's, like, I can feel what it's like to actually press hard. Mm-hmm. And it's putting myself in positions where it's, like, like I can actually work with a bit of scapular rhythm rather mm-hmm. than being, like, if I lose a little bit of, of retraction or whatever it might be, it's, like, oh, no, no, I've lost position. I'm, like, I'm fucked in this set. It's allowing mm-hmm. myself to get comfortable with. It's, like, yeah, you can lose. You've got a bit of, you know, variability that you can work with obviously we don't want that variability to go too far out but it's like if you're in a pocket here and you're kind of like cruising somewhere in there you've got enough control because you haven't cranked positions really hard but you're in a nice active position where you've got you know you can keep the upper back nice and tight and you can press yeah and obviously like we want that the scaps back and down cue is obviously like designed or centered around creating stability at the shoulder joint. Yeah. And I, this is where like, just as a, like a sort of like a caveat and like asterisk on that point, I'm not saying 
it's a stupid cue and it like you should allow the shoulders to protract and elevate and do like this when you're pressing but it's like if they are moving a little bit mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get shoulder cancer and die yeah right so that's what i was getting at with that sentence is um it's it's not the fact that you want your shoulder blades as back and down as possible just for the sake of it the the idea of that is to create the stability at the shoulder so if you have that stability and can allow a, a little bit of movement and that's a stronger position and you're not losing stability yeah there's no downside so like i look at it kind of like i do like grip width on a bar for a squat and you get some people that just like really well they'll bring their hands really close and they just kind of like cram themselves into this position and they're mm-hmm. like oh well like I'm, I'm tired of my upper back and you like you poke them and it's like there's nothing going on here yeah you, like, it just like taking structures tight. and pushing them together and be like oh it's like me going i have tension on my bicep by bringing my hand close to my shoulder it's like no like i've just jammed my forearm close to my humerus and gone biceps mm-hmm. yeah like a matter like if i want tension on my biceps it's like Cool, I can do like this. Like, cool, that there for me is like I've got a lot of tension there. Mm-hmm. Here, I got fuck all. So it's like, you know, and this was the thing for me is like when I was told like, oh well, you know, scaps back and down as hard as you can. I was like, well, I'm trying to get here all the time, but I, I don't have any control here. And this is where like obviously we're talking about like active versus passive range of motion the other week. I was just trying to cram myself into what I thought was really active range, but I didn't have any control of it. Therefore. It, by nature, it has to be passive. Mm-hmm. Like I might have been able to get into a really good position, but I wasn't able to maintain that position under load, which makes it redundant. Right. Like, but here's the flip side of that. Some people can, and the people that can, that that's probably a really, really good, strong position and stable position for them to press from. And this is literally exactly what we always say, is everything's not the same for everyone. But this the thing is like, what works for me, like, you look at your squat stance and how wide you are. Yeah, exactly. My hips would explode if I tried to squat that wide. Mm-hmm. But what, and I think this is obviously like confirming the point that you're making, like we keep coming back to principles. Mm-hmm. It's like, exactly. you know, an active range for me is going to be different to an active range for you. An active range for you and I is going to be different to an active range for M. Mm-hmm. And, but at the end of the day, like we're still working with the principles that go, this is what builds a nice, big, strong bench. This is what builds a nice big strong like squat and this is what builds a nice big strong deadlift how that applies to individuals obviously like everyone's biomechanics are going to be different yeah therefore how we apply those principles is going to be somewhat different to any like to someone else perfect example is i had a consult uh also not the weekend just gone with the one prior to that with a girl that i've known through powerlifting for years and mm-hmm. she messaged me and she's like Ben, I need your help to build some big muscle mummy quads. Ah, nice. Beautiful. And I would watch her lift. I think I know who this is, by the way. Did they tag you on Instagram the other day? No. Hmm. Um, but like I would I would watch her lift and I'm like, I'm like, you just train like a powerlifter. Like, yes, you might be doing reps. But like, and like with her leverages as well, I'm like, it's not going to be well suited to you being able to like really load your quads. She's like, I feel my glutes and my hamstrings in like everything that I do. I'm like, cool. So I'm like, 
based on that, what do you think we're going to be doing? She's like, I, I don't know. I'm like, cool. I'm like, well, you know, show me how you do, say, like a, a split squat or like show me how you do a Bulgarian, for example. And she did it. I'm like, cool. We're going to pretty much just like allow the knee to go as far forward as we possibly can. And then you're going to hold there. Mm-hmm. You're going to hold there for five seconds. And then you're going to finish your rep and come back up. Within like eight days of our session, I get a message from her. She's like, holy shit, Ben, like the variations you gave me have made me feel my quads more than I have in years. Like I'm really excited to see where I can take this over like the next like four to six weeks. Like, thank you so much. Beautiful. But for her was very specific executions that I wouldn't give to a normal person. Like those cues wouldn't be what I would give me because my leverages are significantly different to hers. Right. Like I can just squat and I can build big quads from that. Yeah. This is why I hate the, this is why I hate the, the concept of, we all have a hip, we all have a femur, we all have knees, so we all we all should do the exact same things and that's how you squat. Mm-hmm. I understand the concept and of that, but I just think it is so fucking flawed because we all have a hip, yes, but my hip and your hip are structurally probably extremely different. My femur and your femur are structurally very different. My knees and your knees are structurally very different. So therefore, how we move is extremely different in pretty much every way possible. So having principles is great because you can apply them to different individuals that that look and move and are made up differently. Telling everyone to do the exact same thing is the most stupid fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) To put it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> to put it nicely. Of course. Because we don't want to be rude on this podcast. <laughs> no. Positive P- PVO, positive vibes only. Exactly. But um, yeah, so I just think, I just think that's really fucking stupid, personally. But anyway. Yeah. People suck, though. <laughs> People do so. I, um, that's um that's a really good example of like constraint based coaching. You love that fucking term, don't you? Fucking love it, man. Because I made it up. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> I get I'll, I'll fucking give credit. Like that's a fucking <laughs> You should fucking like trademark that. I'm gonna put it on a shirt. Do it. <laughs> I might, I don't know. Let's um go through some of the questions. Yeah, let's um, go through some of the questions. I think I, I think we're Actually, let's um. So before we go into the questions, let's go through some of the common issues that we might see with the bench press. So I think that I think that would be a good one. Do you want to start that off, or do you want me to? Oh, I can start it off. Um, so I think some of the common issues that I'll see in a bench press, or one of the big common issues, is um shoulders coming up yep that's a big one um i've been guilty of that in the past a lot um i think you used to fucking get stuck into me about that all the time but i couldn't stop it until recently they've been really good recently good 
um, but it's taken a lot of work. So that's probably one of the biggest ones that I see. Um, another big one that I see is getting set up really nice and tight under the bar, getting like really nice, like tight shoulders, stable, nice, tight, like thoracic, everything's really good. And then unwrap the weight and it just like, you just flatten out and just yeah. lose position straight away before you even start the first rep. That's a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got? I would probably say either excessive tucking or flaring. Yep. Um, and then the other one that I would that I will bring people up on a lot is over exaggerating the press to the point where they like protract and lose scapular positioning. Like yeah. when you're like pressing off the chest, like it should just be the elbow extending, not the whole shoulder losing position. Yeah, and when you do that, you're, you're the okay. sets the sets over pretty much. Yeah, or very um, close to it. But yeah, they're probably the main ones. Like again, like the unrack is one that I see time and time again. Is people do all this great work building such a really nice position, and the moment like then they like press the bar out, and then they're yeah, trying to like it's gone. They're trying to get back, and it's like you, you may as well re-rack it, do it again, and actually yep. learn how to use your lats to bring the bar out, so that you can still be in the position that you've worked so hard to get into, so that when you come down to your chest, you're actually tight and have a nice front press off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one for me. Mm. I, th- I like to, this is why I think videoing your sets is really important because I always like to, if I'm with a client and I see that, I literally will just go over to the video, grab it. And I'll say, let's watch this. See this position that you're in here. Watch as soon as you unrack it. Look, look how much it changes. Everything just flattens out. Now you're in a terrible position. Your shoulders are rounded forward. Everything's gone to shit literally instantly yeah now look at how shit that set was feel remember how shit it felt let's not do that this time and then we'll compare at the end of this set and then they're like oh man i was like i didn't even feel the weight on that bar that was that was amazing i'm like yeah it makes a big difference huh (laughs) i think the first question we should start with is probably the most important question what one's that What's your best bench press? Oh, okay. What's yours? 165. <sighs> That's why I wanted to start with this question, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, was that in competition? No. Ah, so I What's your best comp bench? 160. Was that the ass lift one? 160. <laughs> <laughs> It was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my best comp one is 160 as well, but it was a novice comp, so I'll count your 160 ass lift for my 160 novice comp and we'll call it even. Well, my 165 was like legit. It was paused, bum was on the bench, self unracked. Like, uh, Was that the fat pad one though? No. Okay, all right. I'll give no, it to you. It was on an Alico bench. An Alico bench. Okay. Don't 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 bring me back to that fucking fat pad. <laughs> I was that do, close to locking out one seventy. Do you think if you had worked a little bit more on external rotation, you would have got one seventy? <laughs> do you reckon? 
Night, guys. It's been great. <laughs> I think you might have. I think you need to shut your whore mouth. <laughs> no. I, my best my best comp bench was the 160 at the Breakthrough Novice Comp. Yep. And then I've done – then I did one f- – uh, 155 and 155 again <laughs> in the two comps since then. But um, I think I'm in for – I think my bench is going to be really good the next time I compete. Really good for me. I think I'm, I'm going to go above 160. I think you will as well. My bench is feeling a lot nicer than it ever has. I feel like I can get in a much better position. Um. I'm able to use my leg drive a lot more and actually feel my leg drive a lot more. So because I'm so tall, it's obviously not the easiest thing for me to do to get into to a position. Um, Can't say I have the same trouble. No. Your legs are like you're on your tippy toes trying to reach the ground. That's why I get a booster seat. Is that why you wear squat shoes? Yeah. <laughs> so you can touch the ground? I've actually never benched with squat shoes on before. You never have. I've never have either. But so since I've been doing a lot of work on my hips, mm-hmm. I'm able to I'm able to get into a, a lot better position with my hip extension and I'm actually able to control that position a lot more instead of just like jamming into the position and just being there but not actually having any control over it. I'm, I'm finding that I have a lot more pressure through my feet I'm driving my hips up and back at the same time a lot better. And because of that, I can get a lot better position through my thoracic and then that's actually helping my shoulder stability as well. Yeah. Obviously, I've been doing a lot of work on the shoulder stability also, but I think all of it coming together is just everything's feeling so nice at the moment. Good. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what that's like when I start eating again. And I'm not, not diet boy, but I think it, I think it will be, I think I'm going to bench something, something a little bit better at the end of the year. Sure. Um, yeah, the hips are a big one, huh? Oh, no shit. Like it's such <laughs> an underrated aspect of bench press. That I feel like people just like neglect because they're like, oh, I'm benching. I'm just going to be doing upper body. And they're like, well, fuck my legs are just kind of like flagging around like one of those like wacky flavor and crazy <laughs> yeah and you can even see it when people like they'll get in position or they get into the position that they think they should be in their feet are feet are under their hips or and it, like it looks like this is where i should be but yeah. they're not actually doing anything in that position does that make sense yeah It's like I'm wearing my hat backwards, but I'm not actually doing the thing that it was designed for. Do you know why you're not doing that? Because I'm sh- <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Um, where should the bar touch on your chest to optimize strength? depends on your leverages and depends on your grip width. There are so many variable factors that will contribute to it. Yeah. But what generally is, what, what, speaking, you're going to want a fairly high touch point. 
Like you don't want to be touching here and having no. trouble further. Like you're probably going to find like somewhere around like in line with your nipples. Yeah, somewhere around that somewhere. like somewhere around the nipples. Like I would even go as far as to say like from anywhere from about like an inch above the nipple. Yep. To like that xiphoid process. Yep. Somewhere within that range, I think's pretty universal. Yeah, and that's obviously then where like specifics are going to come down to the individual and what feels most comfortable. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, and for everyone listening, that that xiphoid process is like cool. if you like stick your finger into your chest and you keep walking them down the the chest until you feel that bone separate where your ribs separate that little like gap there that's that's the xiphoid process so like somewhere between like there and about an inch above your nipple i think is probably fairly universal yeah i agree um and i would just say like if you're unsure to just play around with it until you find something that feels really comfortable and that's probably a good spot for you yeah. good old tri- trial and error method um is always always a good one Here's a good here's a good question from um, from Instagram from Miles Champion. I competed with Miles at um, GPC Nationals last year mm-hmm. from Mackay. He trains at Zero Mackay. That is a really nice gym, man. I would like to go and check out some of the the Zero gyms at some point. The Zero Mackay one in particular looks. Very, very nice. And all of their equipment is um, that, like, NZ teal color. Because that's the one so, that um, Wes owns, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, because, like, I competed with Wes a couple of times. Like, Wes and Brooke, they're lovely human beings. Yeah, that's um, that's a really cool gym. Um, so the question I'll is... Video again, um, can, I can still see you. It's so good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I just can't see you. And it makes me feel like I'm talking to myself like an idiot. Wouldn't it be the first time? Well, yeah, it would be the first time. <laughs> Question is, I'm considering elbow sleeves. Would you say they're worth it? Do you want me to answer first or do you want to answer first? No, I've got I've got how I feel about it, but you go first. I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, well, I'll rephrase. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably just say that if you're doing them to reduce the pain that you get in your elbows are like when you're benching, I'd probably say there's more work that needs to be done that doesn't require a Band-Aid fix like an elbow sleeve. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing them purely for the sake of being like, oh, I want a bit of a, a boost to my bench press, I'd probably just say do a block press or a slingshot instead. Yeah. I would agree. Um but I also think that if you want to use them, mm. go for it. Yeah. Hence the, so, like, I don't care, but like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, ha- I have a, I have a athlete who asked if he could use them. Yep. Um, just because he liked the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just think it might just, you know, make my elbows feel nice. When I press, yep. Um, the same way knee sleeves make my knee knees feel nice when I squat, and 
my answer was to him, I don't care if you do it. Just keep in mind that you wear your knee sleeves when you compete. You won't be able to wear your elbow sleeves when you compete. So my my compromise to you is, yes, you can buy them and yes, you can use them. I don't want you using them on any of your warm-up sets and I don't want you using them on your top sets. You can use them on your back down sets and you can use them on your dumbbell pressing. Go for your life. Warm-ups, top sets, no sleeves. Back downs, dumbbell pressing, go for your life. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be like one of my caveats as well. Like if I've got a competitor, I'm, I would just go as blank and say no. It's like when I get people that are like, oh, well, I scored in sleeves. Is it worth me doing working reps? like no Mm -hmm. like it's there's there's no point if you're you know if you're competing in a a federation that like you have to bare knee squat there's no point doing anything with anything on your knees because you don't get to do that on compass you may as well you don't get to do it it. yep yep so it's up to you do whatever you like yeah again i don't really care but i would probably lean more towards like it not being necessary. Yeah. And like, I like, I think it also comes down to why, right? Like you said, if it's because your elbows are hurting, they're most likely not hurting because of bench. They're most likely, you're most likely just feeling it on bench. They're most likely hurting because of something else that you're doing. Yes. Being low bar squatting. Don't get me started. So I would suggest doing a whole bunch of external rotations. You yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but don't do them on the cable. Do them standing up in the mirror and hold the dumbbells at ninety degrees and just go outwards like that. Yeah, you'll get really big shoulders doing them. <laughs> doing them that way. Don't do that. Anyone listening, don't do that. Do don't not do ever that do that. You will be banned from this podcast. You'll be banned from my life. <laughs> What's the most optimal hand position when benching? So again, I think this is um, pretty individualized. Mm-hmm. For me, again, like talking about like one of the general approaches I have for most of my clients, whether they're gen pop, whether they're athletes, is at least starting in a in a position that when you're in the bottom of a bench your wrist and elbow are stacked while the bar's on your chest. Mm -hmm. Just so that we can maximize structural stability as much as we can. Um, Obviously, like, there are going to be some people that just, like, have weird leverages where, like, you know, their forearm might be a substantial amount longer than what their, like, their humerus is. So when they get into that position there, like, there's some real funky shit going on so that they can actually hit that position. Again, I'm pretty lucky. Like my leverages are pretty good for bench. Like I've got short arms or relatively short arms. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to go to like a stacked position there, like one, you can see where the bar sits in my hand there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy for me to get into a nice strong position with a pretty stacked grip. Yeah. I like that as a very generalized, broad approach for most people. In terms, like, I very rarely these days get anyone benching out, like, super, super wide. Like, I'm absolutely more inclined to be like, 
let's go like so for example like my the the heaviest bench i've ever done was with my ring finger on the ring Mm -hmm. and the only reason why i changed so i was pinky finger on the ring like i am now and then when i ruptured the tendons in my finger which is why then my pinky's a bit bit bent bit droopy i couldn't go ring finger on the ring anymore and that was throwing off myself i'm like i don't know where i am if i can't have that feel and that sensation so i was like problem solved i'll just go one finger wider and then all of a sudden <laughs> i was like oh i think i may have something here which again kind of brings me back to the whole point of going do a lot of general work with general principles and that will make you stronger in more optimized positions yep i um when i do my um pointer finger on the ring i'm pretty much stacked in the bottom position <laughs> Because of how long my arms are. Yeah, it's because you're a human albatross. So that's that's what, you know, just really highlighting again that everyone's built so different. So there's there's really no one size fits all. Like you have to hold the bar here or you have to do this when you bench because, you know, everyone's built so different. So it's going to look different on everyone. Yeah. Um, but if anyone's curious as to what either Ben or I think is most optimal for them, Feel free to DM us, and I know I know I'm super open to conversations in the in the DMs, and I'm pretty sure Ben is as well. Absolutely, I love a good old uh, DM chat, especially about training. Um, so we talked a little bit about leg drive in my bench and how I'm using that a lot more now. So one of the questions that we got was, um, how does leg drive affect your bench? So did you want to explain the the general concept of leg drive in a bench press? Because you think bench press, you think upper body movement, right? Like I'm using my pecs and my triceps here. Yeah. So I, why leg? Why legs? I think I look at leg drive a little bit different to how a lot of coaches do. So the way that I will generally look at leg drive is I'm like. The legs are positioned in a way that we can kind of create like from the feet through to the shoulders, like a solid structure mm-hmm. with support coming from the ground. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and again, like coming from a GPC background where some of the rules and some of the like standards may be a little bit more lax compared to others. There were times when you see people and they would like sink the bar into the chest and then they would like push really hard through their feet and that would be like, a spring effect that would then transfer into being able to press a heavy weight off the chest. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I don't personally like that is I'm like, you're going from tight to loose to trying to go tight again. Yeah. The way I like to look at it is if you're able to get yourself in a position where in your setup, you can drive through the feet and you're like, yep, like I've got a nice strong position on my, like on my upper back and my shoulders, my bums in contact with the bench. Like I, I'm good here. So when you come out, and you're still able to press through, like, so you're pressing down to the ground, but also if you imagine your feet are on the ground, sort of like such, you're kind of like pushing like forward and slightly out. So you're creating tension at the hips as well by the d- direction that you're pushing with the feet. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, try and keep that active the entire time. So that yep. you're here, you come down, you hit your chest, and then as you go to press, there's still enough support through the legs, driving into the hips, driving into the thoracic, which allows the upper body to be nice and stable on the bench 
so that as you go to press, it's just like off the chest. Yeah, that's exactly how I think about leg press as well and how I teach uh, leg press, <laughs> how, I, how I think about leg drive and how I teach leg drive in the bench press for the majority of people yeah. is you're not, you're not pr- like driving your legs to, to transfer power into the bar. You're driving your feet into the ground to create a solid, stable overall system, which will allow you to press more weight. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like tight, loose, tight. And I think, and this is not a knock on tight, loose, tight or sinking the bar and then, and then like hoisting it up. That's a skill that a lot of people don't have. And to go from tight to loose to tight again, a lot of people don't have that skill. And I think if they learn the stay tight the whole time, soft touch and create leg drive to create a stable overall system, they can go to the tight, loose, tight dump later down the track when they have a, a solid understanding of of how everything works i still don't think that the tight loose tight approach is a good thing to teach or do period just because i'm like for comp standards i feel like it just allows way too much room for error because like if you come down to the chest and you sink it and you're holding there waiting like there's a, there's very few people that i've seen who've been able to do it well and I reckon I could probably count them in one fucking hand. But like the amount of people that sit there and then they get the press call and then they try and dip to press and try and use a bit of momentum and they get called for bar dip. Yeah. And it's like, yep. cool. Like you've mistimed it. You fucked it up. Like, but also I think as well, like if you get a, like a strict judge and they see you come out for your open and they see you like really sink it, as you get closer to your third, they're just going to get more and more relentless with being like, I'm going to hold you there. Mm-hmm. You're going to wait until I see everything's at a dead fucking stop. And if you're fast and you're sinking, it's really hard to try and like decelerate that load, hold it, transfer the load to be able to then press it back off. It's like when you see, like the example I will kind of look at is like obviously squatting a bench or similar in the sense that you have the eccentric, then the concentric. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how many of the best squatters in the world do you see like dive bomb into a squat? Yeah, no, I have this conversation all the time. None, you don't. almost none. You none. look at like the best squatters in the world and they're fucking controlled in there. They hit their positions and then they fucking pump it out of the hole. Yeah. You look at the best benches in the world as well and they're all... Yep, agreed. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some very good bench pressers that I know personally who heave quite heavily and they're fucking strong like Deeks is one yeah yeah Deeks is one and he's one of the very few people that I know can time the fuck out of a heave and use it to his advantage but he's an excellent bench presser yeah he's technically very good but I still think he has potential to be better if he got like did a lot more work in his off seasons and his non-comp specific work of a really tight, strong, stable position so that when he then went back to a bit more of a heave, there's a stronger base for him to work off. Like, again, we look at Joe. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Joe's got a really good bench too. Beautiful bench. And he benches, what, fucking 270? 
Yeah, I know. Oh, dude, that guy, he takes time off and then he comes back and he's like, oh, yeah, first day benching after a little bit of a break. You're going to bench just 20 for a double? Yeah. Like, uh, like yes. I'll just quit right now. How about that? Yeah, he's like, oh, first court session in a while. I guess I'll go 350 for five. Yeah, just take a 70 kilo jump. No My worries. My was 280, but, you know, whatever. YOLO. <laughs> just like... Oh man, some people are just different. Yeah, he, he's a fucking animal though. But yeah, I think like in terms of leg drive, my thing is I like it as more of a an active supportive system rather than a tight loose tight kind of approach. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I think has really helped my bench yeah. over the last couple of months is being able to get into that active range and then holding tension and not and actually holding tension through the whole system yeah. has helped dramatically for the entire the entire set. Yeah. Um, um, how do you properly spot a bench press? So I know we've got two parts to this question. Obviously, we've got how to spot like a failed lift and like how to spot for a handout. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll kind of cover both. Yeah. For me, if someone asks me for a handout on a bench and I'm like, what sort of handout do you like? If they're like heavy, I'd be like, no, sorry. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, an unrack on a bench should be, I'm going to make sure you clear the hooks easily enough. And then I'm going to guide you into your position. I'm going to take like a tiny little bit of that weight, but I'm sure as shit not taking the majority of that bar. No. so my thing is like, obviously like someone gets into their position, obviously for most people, you're going to have to pretty much stand over their face. Bar should be in the fingertips, guide them out, take a step back. Yep. Then they come down, they do their rep. If in the event, so obviously one, even if you have a spotter, I still highly recommend using face savers. Mm-hmm. I think that like, what's the fucking point in having them there if you're not going to use them? Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you unwrap someone, you pop them out into the spot, take a step back, and they come down, they're coming up and they're pressing, 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 pressing. Do not touch the bar until it starts coming back down, in which case you step back in, you grab the bar, and you pretty much stand up. And as you're standing up, that person's pressing as well, bar's back yep. in the rack. Yep. Whether it's squatting, whether it's uh, benching, like if you're doing a lift, if you fail and someone is helping you to get it back up, don't stop. You you go with them. Like, especially on like a squat, there's nothing more I hate than when people get stuck at the bottom of the squat and the spotters take it and then they just like walk away. It's like, what are you fucking doing? Well, they just go limp and you're like, dude, yeah, I'm like, not trying to fucking zerch a squat 280 here. Yeah. And give like, me, give me something. Back to bench as well. Like, depending on how heavy, like, it, it, there's been times when I've been at the gym and there'll be someone that's like, oh, like, I'm going for a PB bench. It's like 210. That's usually where we will go, hey, look, we're going to get a someone to help the unrack and we're going to have side spotters as well. We're mm-hmm. going to be sensible about this. Yeah. But if let's say I'm benching 140 for reps, like I did today, for example, like if I ask someone to spot me, most of the time it's like, I just want someone there for moral support. Make yeah, just in case something goes wrong. Face. But I'm also, I feel like I'm in a really good spot with my bench press where it's like, 
you know what? Like, I actually don't need a spot. I know if I've got the rep or not. Like, the last time when I kind of, like, peaked my bench and I, I benched 160, like, pretty comfortably, I got someone in the gym to spot me purely because the face savers couldn't actually fix into the bench. And I'm like, if the if if for whatever reason I miss and that has to come back from the face savers, I'm like, I don't want them to then fall and for me to get pinned under a bar. Yeah. The caveat that I would say here is the one thing that I think is a non-negotiable in spotting is if you're spotting someone, just fucking pay attention. Like yeah. If you're spotting someone, pay attention until that set is done. Do to... I, I actually tore my pack benching because the spotter started texting someone mid-set. And I, I was halfway up struggling needed help and as i was like halfway up it was stuck there for like three seconds peck literally started tearing so so drastically that the 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 bar was bouncing it was like tear 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 it was horrible dude and literally like had that guy have not been texting He's in jail now. <laughs> Had that guy not been texting, yeah, I would have jailed him for that, to be honest. Fucking dog can. <laughs> it's a jailable offense. Pay attention <laughs> when you're spotting anything. If you're spot and if you're spotting someone, don't be ten miles away. Like be close enough that you can actually help if you need to. Yeah. So I had a client, <laughs> she sent me her checking videos uh, on Sunday and I was having a look at it and this guy's like helping, like helping her on a dumbbell press. Like she's getting to a point where she like just kind of needs to help to get the dumbbells up. And he like, you know, she like kicks them up. She's here and he helps her get up to this spot here. And she does one rep and then he just walks off. <laughs> just see you later. <laughs> like, like he just got bored. He's like, I'm out of here. He's like, oh yeah, like you're up, you're going, you're good to go. And I just like walked off. I'm just like, <laughs> that's like, so what loose. What is this guy doing? <laughs> that's next level. That's like I'm out I, of here. I had a fuck. I had a really good laugh at that. But I'm also like, as long as that doesn't happen on like your comp bench, I'm like, you're fine. Yeah, at least with dumbbells, you can just bail. Yeah, unless they come forward. I've had that happen a few times where they fail in and you have to throw them to the side. Takes That's a pretty scary. person to fail inwards on a dumbbell press. It's happened oh, I know. multiple it's happened. times. But it's, it's happened multiple times. That's literally as as a coach or as a PT in that situation where I'm like actively spotting the person and they start to fail inwards. I literally just put my hands and just throw the dumbbell sideways. And then they tear a peg off the bone. <laughs> well, it's better than smashing their face yeah. into oblivion. Um. We covered the pec tear one. How, how do you avoid a pec tear? I think just like shoulder stability come, comes into play there a fair bit. Again, like what's the recipe for injury? Being shit. <laughs> well, it's like when load exceeds tissue tolerance. Sorry, say that again. It's like if load exceeds tissue tolerance. Mm-hmm. So obviously like if we can make sure that the the shoulder is stable, then it's literally just a matter of like, be smart with load selection. Yeah. 
most of the time when people are doing shit they shouldn't be doing, they end up doing shit they shouldn't be doing. And that's when things tend to go wrong. Like, but again, like, don't get me wrong. There are times when it's just like, you did everything right and shit happened. You tore a peck. Welcome to powerlifting. Like, yeah. touch wood. I haven't torn anything doing powerlifting. Hurt my back a couple of times, but like, you know, haven't torn anything off the bone. Like, I've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. But it's the kind of thing where, you know, when you are trying to push numbers, there is an unfortunate reality where sometimes shit just goes bang. Yeah. Yeah. So just making sure you're in a good position. Yeah. And you don't do dumb shit as much as possible. Um, how does a big back equal a big bench? That's a that's a pretty well-known saying that goes around a fair bit. You want a bench big, got to have a big back. Why? Why do you think? I think there's a few reasons. I think there's a few reasons why it contributes. I don't think it's the only contributing factor. Like if you've got a huge back, it doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically going to have a big bench. But I think it can it can add to the stability that you can create. Mm-hmm. It can give you a nice solid base to press from. Yep. Anything else? I would just pro- like to sort of like build on some of those those things that you said there. Like, obviously, what makes someone's back look big usually? Big muscles. Which ones in particular, though? Well, it depends where you're looking. Like, I think a big back for me is like big lats. Yeah, and what is the lat do trap. bench press? Will help stabilize the shoulder joint, obviously. Yeah. So obviously, if someone has, you know, big lats, then theoretically they should have a easier time being able to stabilize their shoulders while they're benching. And mm-hmm. as you said, like the wider their back is, the more surface area they're going to have on that bench. But I think this as well comes back to a really interesting point that like Marcos has mentioned a few times with like men's powerlifting is like in bringing in the fat pad for GPC. It's like, how often do you see pec tears occur in women's powerlifting? Not much. Don't think I've ever seen anyone like a female tear a pec. No. But when you look at like structure of a woman on a standard bench, it lines up pretty well. When you got guys that are fucking this wide trying to fit onto a bench this wide, it doesn't work too well. Mm-mm. And then all of a sudden, if they can't get their shoulders onto a bench and they're kind of like, well, it's just sitting somewhere in the middle of my back, they've got not like no support there to sort of fix the scaps to, mm-hmm. in which case they're kind of pressing on a fucking airbed. Yeah. I would even go down the road of it could it could aid in bench pressing just from a structural integrity standpoint where you, you know your your posture's better your overall strength is better because you have you know well developed back muscles to counteract all of the fucking pressing that you're doing yeah and obviously like the more muscle someone has the higher potential they have for strength and power but my thing is also like if you obviously look at the pecs and the lats both being internal rotators of the shoulders like mm-hmm. if someone is like chronically stuck in this position here and they're trying to get them to do a bench but they can't actually get the position of their shoulder in a good spot sometimes that extra muscle they're carrying can be a detriment 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, I think that comes back to like structural integrity, right? Like yeah. you can be well muscled and still move well and still, still have good posture. Yeah. I think that's something that's really external rotations. Yeah. It just comes back to that at the end of the day. If you've got a shit bench, you just need more external rotations, nothing else. To be honest with you, don't even do anything else. It's just a waste of time. If your program has anything else in it other than external rotations, you're wasting your time. If you're not doing GBT for shoulder external rotations, what even are you doing? Literally wasting your time. Pissing into the wind. (laughs) <laughs> i think that's been a big reason that um that my bench is feeling better as well is just that my body is moving better yeah so well again like you sent me a video the other week of like you actually being able to get your hand up like pretty close to this spot here yeah pretty comfortably yeah i remember like when i was looking up there you're like look ben my arms overhead <laughs> you're like look how far i could get my arm away from my side today it's like it's... i'm three inches away from my hip i'm doing good <laughs> yeah, this is big yeah yeah so yeah, from that standpoint i think um having a big back or a strong back can can really benefit as well yeah this is a pretty good one i like i actually really like this question so what are the benefit? What are the life benefits of a bench press outside of strength sports? If you like that one, you can answer because my take on these questions are probably a little bit pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in, in all honesty, like prob- probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck, like I love lifting, but like life, I mean, the wording in that, it's funny because the guy that asked this question actually DM'd me and said, I know Ben is big on wording, so I tried to word them all appropriately. <laughs> so it's good that you're getting that reputation already. But I like language, man. Yeah, so like if you if you read this question for what it says, the life benefits are probably close to zero. Like, I don't think that my life is going to be any better because I bench press than someone who does, that never bench presses. Um, I know what the question's supposed to say, though, and it's in a training perspective, what are the benefits for a non-competitor that enjoys strength training, doing bench press outside of a competitive setting. And if it's worded that way, I still think probably close to zero, <laughs> but it's fun. This is the thing that I, I keep coming back to. Like when you're looking at like non-competition clients, most people will be like, yeah, like I want to be strong, but most people are also going to be like, I want muscle. Mm-hmm. Like they want improved body composition. They want to be strong. Is bench press the best exercise to build upper body size? Probably not. From a hypertrophy standpoint, I would say absolutely not. No, I would put it quite far down the list. But I mean, fuck it. Like for any guy, if you're like, oh yeah, like I go to the gym, there is a 90% chance that someone's going to be like, so what do you bench? 
Of course. And if you're like, oh, well, I don't bench, they're going to be like, why the fuck not? Yeah. Again, like... Your dogs? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, I think, like, obviously, like, we had this question when we did squats as well. Like, you know, what are some some benefits of, like, of heavy squats outside of powerlifting? And it's like, I, I don't think there are any. I think the... The mental thing of being able to like bring a heavy bar up over your face and go, I'm going to bring this down to my chest and press this motherfucker back up. I think there's, again, if we like zoom out a little bit and we're like, oh, well, when your back's literally up against the wall, being able to press something away from you and like do something hard, like there's some, probably some benefit in that. But is there like actual life benefit from being able to do a heavy bench press? No, probably not. From no. a, a competition versus non-competition kind of perspective, is there benefit to being out of bench press? No, but it's probably pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it is cool. And like you said, every guy that's ever gone to the gym wants wants a decent bench press. Yeah. So from that perspective, like I would put it in most programs for that reason, unless there's a specific reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because pretty much everyone that I coach at this point is a competitive powerlifter. Yep. Um, although for the guys that I coach that are athletes, field athletes, I actually don't have them bench pressing. Yep. Um, I just don't think that there's any need for them to do that. And there, there's that's kind of training energy that they could place elsewhere that would have way greater return on investment for them. Yep. Um, so I just don't have them doing it. Um, some of Actually, that's not true. Some of them I don't. Some of them I do because they specifically said having a, improving my bench press is something that I want to get out of this, not just getting better at my sport. So my question is, what sort of field athletes do you not program bench for? Um, so I don't... So. I train a couple of rugby league players. Yep. I don't have them benching a bench pressing with a barbell unless they specifically ask for it. Yep. Um, and I train two soccer guys. I don't have them bench pressing with a barbell unless they specifically ask for it. And I train one field hockey guy and I don't have him bench pressing yep. at all. Like they do they do pressing, but not with a barbell. Yeah. So like obviously like I mean, this isn't really like public knowledge yet, but you obviously know, like I've started working with like a big B basketball team now. Mm-hmm. Like those guys won't bench. No, there's to. no, there's no need to. Like it's no, and- like a sport like basketball, like, like, yeah, like they'll probably do some pressing, but it won't be like outrageously heavy. It's going to be like, let's get them moving well and let's build some strength off that. But it'll all be like substantial rep work. Like they're, going to probably benefit a little bit more from some strength endurance work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there are definitely some sports where like, especially if the athlete's like, Hey, like I really want to be able to get my bench press up as well. It's like, cool. There'll be some benefit being able to go, fuck it. Let's, you know, let's eat some bench for you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my, that's my footy guys. Yeah. Those, those guys bench more than any of my other athletes that aren't powerlifters. And that's, I think that also comes back to the, like the footy guy mentality too, though. Ooh. Like they're the most bro athletes. <laughs> yeah. 
by far. Yeah. And so they just want a big bench. And well, the way I look at it is like, okay, this isn't actually going to harm your progress towards being a better athlete. Yeah. It might not be the exact thing that I would want to do, but if it gets buy-in from you and it's not taking away, then why the hell not? Yeah. So so I'll cycle it in and then we might do like a pre-season testing day where there's like some bench in there just to make them feel like, oh, let's like outbench the other guys and then we'll move into something a little bit more um, appropriate moving closer to the season. Yeah. Uh, but the other guys don't do it at all. Yeah. Uh, and then some of my gem pop clients do bench. Yep. Um, because they like it and they're good at it and it works well for them. And some of them don't. And the the people that don't, don't have a worse life because they don't. No. They're not losing <laughs> sleep over the fact they're like, I can't bench press. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean... M doesn't bench at all, at all. Yeah. Zero, zero pressing at all. She does overhead pressing, but zero like bench pressing, no dumbbell pressing, no dumbbell incline pressing at all Mm -hmm. until like six weeks out from comp. Yeah. And she just doesn't care. She's like, I don't want to do it. If you make me do it, I won't do it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to program it for you then if you're not going to do it. I'll just do something else that you will actually do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Let's do one more. Cool. I'm curious to Let's see which it. one you're going to pick for the last one because I know which one I would pick. All right, you pick it then. The benefits of incline slash decline bench. That's what I was going to pick. Fucking, this is this is why we get along. Yeah, well, I agree. Do you want me to fill this one first or? Yeah, go for it. So I love incline. I love it, especially as like a dumbbell press, purely for like, yes, the strength gains, but also hypertrophy and different angles of the pec. Mm-hmm. I think when we look at, the nature of powerlifting, it's kind of decline-ish in nature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I'm like, as far as like decline bench goes, I very rarely will program decline bench. Same. But I would be like, we're still going to get lower portions of the pec if we're doing things like dips. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yep. obviously to strengthen, like if we're say in a, a bench position here and we're getting a little bit more lower pec from powerlifting-esque style setup Mm -hmm. and then we're also doing heavy dips it's like cool that then filters in but that's where it's like i think a lot of like dumbbell press and frankly like overhead press as well has real Mm -hmm. benefit for a lot of especially powerlifters but just strength athletes in general um purely because again it's pressing in a different plane of motion that we don't generally get a lot of exposure to yeah so just movement variability yeah big advocate Mm -hmm. i'm exactly the same I'll program dips a lot. A lot. I'll program incline presses a lot at varying degrees of incline. What's your favorite angle for incline pressing? 30. Yeah, how fucking sick is a 30 degree incline press? Yep, 30 would be my favorite, my personal favorite and my favorite to program. This makes my dick hard. 
Yeah, it's the it's the most optimal press angle by far yeah. for an incline. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll go lower though, and sometimes I'll go higher. Yep. Um, just for purely just for movement variability, and then different variations of overhead pressing as well. But I'll almost never program decline bench. I don't think I've ever programmed decline bench. I never have either, but I don't want to say never because there might be a situation where I would. Well, that's where like I'm not going to say I would never do it. I'm just saying to this date, after 13 years of coaching, I've never programmed decline. Neither have I. Neither have I. I've programmed decline pullovers, mm-hmm. but never, never decline pressing. But Nicholas, that is not a decline press. No, it's not, but it is decline. Mm. Tomatoes. Or, although, actually, I've programmed decline, like a decline press machine mm. for bodybuilding clients that don't do all of the other things that we were just talking about, like competition-style bench press and things like that. Sounds like you need to kick them in the dick. Yeah, but that was they're, – they're bodybuilders. They're a little bit different. They're not really athletes. They're special snowflakes. <laughs> they are athletes. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, hey, don't worry, I'm not serious. Don't care to me. <laughs> the IFBB is going to become a boy, Nick. Hey, the IFBB. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. They can, they can. Yeah. They are definitely athletes. They're the best at not eating. They, I, I would classify them more as artists. Yeah, they're fantastic at not eating for long periods of time. Yeah, I, I, I still think there's like a lot of, like, a degree of work ethic that any bodybuilder needs to be good. Like, mm. Oh, for sure. Again, like I, I look at like when you look at a powerlifter that's genuinely good and works hard, they're great. When you get you know your weekend warrior that's like I'm gonna do a, a powerlifting competition and I'm gonna do this and they become an instant expert overnight on, you know, the last 30 years of powerlifting. <laughs> when you speak yeah. to like someone who genuinely loves bodybuilding, they're like, I'm going to take like the next two years to set groundwork so that when I prep, I actually prep for something worthwhile and they actually yeah. know to do like off seasons and prep properly yeah. and that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like what they can to do with their physiques is quite remarkable. I just yeah. could never fucking do it. I couldn't either, but I think a lot of powerlifters could take a lot from that. I mean, I have a lifter at the moment. I have a couple of lifters at the moment that have this mentality, but one in particular who I've had this conversation with a number of times already this year, and it's only you know, February almost, um, is that he his goal, we have goals for this year. Yep. But our main goal that we're working towards is for 2025. Yeah. Uh, for, for the middle, the, like it's going to be like in the middle of 2025. So mid-year 2025. So a year and a half from now. Mm-hmm. And we've been working towards that now for already four months. And I just think that's such a good long-term mindset to have where, yep. yes, we'll set little goals along the way and those are very important but they're not to take away focus from the main goal, which is going to take two years to get to. 
yeah. and that's the mindset that we're taking towards it. It's like micro versus macro goals. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people took that that mindset of, of like looking forward, you'd see a lot of progress. I agree. Do we want to leave it there? Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, what, two hours and 47 minutes, I think that's <laughs> it's probably a good point for us to wrap it up for tonight. We'll cut it there. And then um, what we can do, obviously, we're going to roll through a few more weeks of just like general topics that we have. And then we'll um, come back and do deadlifts in a couple of weeks. And then what I actually want to do is come back and roll around and work our way back to squats and then back to bench and back to deadlifts and kind of go through a few of the variations that we like and, yep. and how we would factor them into a program and in like what scenario we would use what. Mm -hmm. I think that would be super valuable to touch on as well. I think so too. Cool. We'll work on that and then um, and we'll keep rolling through. Marvellous. All right, man. I appreciate the chat as always. Likewise. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate you, our spotters and loaders. I think that's what we've... I think that's what we've agreed to call you. Yeah, I think I think that will work really nicely. So thank you guys, and we'll chat to you next week. Have a good week, guys.